Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast, uh, a show where we talk exclusively about Watford FC. Uh, and joining me this afternoon is the returning Jordan Weimer. Jordan, uh, you've missed the last couple of shows. I'm sorry that we uh, that we weren't able to get you on, but uh, it's good to have you back. Yeah, it feels good to be back. Um, yeah, it felt it felt weird actually not being on the show, knowing you guys were recording without me. Yeah, it's good to be it's good to be home. An awkward one today, actually, because usually it would be quite uh, I don't know depressed after a defeat and I still am I still am but at the same time losing to Man City by only three goals to one it feels like you know a kind of victory is it's weird to say that and I might even get slated for saying it but do you know what I mean Jordan yeah I do I think I think more than just that yeah the scoreline is better than what it has been but I think also the thing that kind of makes it feel a little bit like that is the actual manual of the defeat and the performance around it I think too mm. Um, I think there's a much more positive performance. Uh, I think you can you can draw a lot from that. Whether whereas in previous uh, defeats to Man City, it's been mostly a kind of utter capitulation. Um, as well as you know, there are times you can say Man City were excellent, especially the kind of FA Cup final game. And you know, these are, these are situations where you're playing against a very very good team. Um, but it's also kind of has that element this time where we have put in a good performance and we've seen some things to kind of pull from and, and, and take some positive notes from uh, heading into kind of the next set of fixtures. We kind of got through this rough period now um, and that kind of rough section of games, I think it was our last five, we actually won two. Is that correct? Yeah. So we beat, we, I mean, if you count Everton as, as being part of the, the rough part, then, you know, we beat Everton and we beat yeah. obviously Manchester United, uh, defeats unfortunately to Arsenal, to Chelsea. The Southampton one slips in there weirdly. Yeah. That's a strange one, isn't there? Yeah, isn't and, it? and that's one that, you know, uh, maybe maybe we, we should, well, not maybe, we should have done better in that game. That's that's a definite. But, um, you know, it, it's been a tough run of fixtures, but I think everyone's just very happy that, uh, <laughs> that they're over. Yeah, and I think what I will say too is um, kind of going into this into this run, we all expected it to be difficult, and we knew that um, we knew that it'd be tough to kind of come away with a, a large number of points. I think three or six points would have been um, reasonable in, in our minds uh, prior to the games or prior to the kind of fixture list, but. Uh, we probably wouldn't have expected it to come from necessarily the, the games that did come from. However, um, I think one of the most important things we saw during this period, and it's something we talked about in the run-up to it as well, um, in terms of what we wanted to see from this set of fixtures, which has really seemed our toughest set of fixtures, toughest block over this season, was are we going to see some improvements? Are we going to see some incremental improvements? So we feel we come out this at the end of it and we think, okay, we might not have got 
as many points as we'd like to accumulate from this five fixtures um, or from five games in, in, in any situation. But we've seen how the team has grown a little bit and we've seen these things get better. Maybe some things haven't quite got there yet, but we see a path. And I think it's I think it'd be quite fair to say that over these games, um, we we did see that. Um, there were some back steps, you know, the Southampton defeat after Everton was a little bit, um, kind of a little bit frustrating and, also, kind of Leicester after after Man United, there are a few things that were weren't great, but I'd say that the the Man City performance um, and even the Chelsea one too. I, I think Chelsea was in some ways I, I think the best we've played this season, um, and and Man City too. We we were able to show something a little bit different and and kind of look to play against a team that's kind of superior to us in a lot of ways in a, in a different in a different circ- a different manner. Um, I think Ranieri has been positive uh, in these games, which is also nice. Um, we've not had too much. Um, success in recent years in the Premier League of kind of being that passive off the ball team when playing against these sides. So to try something different, I think was good. Um, it was refreshing, and I think it gives us momentum um, and it puts us on the front foot a little bit, or at least puts our our fate in our own hands a little bit more when we're trying to be aggressive like that. And and that performance against Man City, uh, I'd say, was probably our best that we've had in the kind of more recent Premier League era uh, for yeah, us. Yeah. And we were in it, actually. We, we, they had a lot of chances, obviously. I know we'll get into the, the final details in a second, but just kind of a broader view of this this one of fixtures. I think it, it ending in in that game against City, whilst it wasn't the result we wanted, I think many fans like yourself have come out of it feeling a little bit more optimistic than they'd expect to come out of a, a game that we lost 3-1 and, and could have conceded more because th- there was some hope there and it kind of puts us in a little bit of good stead coming coming into these uh, these next few well, that's what Ranieri's been saying ever since he, he got in. He's been saying he wants to see the performances first and foremost and that the points will follow. Um, and, and actually, you know, he said he wasn't expecting a lot from, from the games that we've just played. And he, he said something along the lines of uh, taking three points after the fact that we've played the likes of United, the likes of City, Chelsea. He's, he's pretty happy with that. He said he would take that. And, um, you know, I think you know most Watford fans out there are, are also, you know, in the same in the same boat. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, obviously we'd we'd like more, of course, but um, we were in we were in in a situation we could have taken more from those games. I think Chelsea in particular, um, we were we were very good. And I, I think I, I say I keep pointing out Chelsea because I think the start to that game was so important. The first the first ten so fifteen minutes, it was, it so was. and that's, that's we we played a high press in that one, didn't we, Jordan? We did. I think we've grown into we've grown into how we how we play off the ball. Whether that's a change in approach from Ranieri, whether that's um, kind of understanding of the roles and the players, or perhaps a little bit of both. Perhaps as, as time's gone on, he's had more time to kind of instill his ideas. He feels more comfortable in letting the team be more aggressive because obviously when you're making those pressing sort of them pressing sort of teams, you, it's not as it's not as crazy as it may look in the moment. There are there is more kind of method to the madness there. It's not just run and close down and and, and purely play that simply. There is there. There are elements of of timing and, and and strategy that go into it. So I think if you're going to be playing that style, you you can't be reckless. You have to be intelligent and smart in the way of doing it, in the way you're doing it. And I think Ranieri is quite um, he's quite sophisticated in how he plays his press, and it takes a little bit of time for the players to understand that. Sometimes it feels a little bit kind of you know frustrating or, or kind of kind of push kicking the can down the road when the manager says I need more time to kind of get my ideas across. But I think in Ranieri's case. Um, I do think it's true, and I think Chelsea was the game that we we saw that there was the confidence within the players to to allow them to play uh, what's really a risky a risky strategy against a team that is able to cut you apart um, because you have the the faith in your players to execute. And I think for the most part we did. Um, and what it does allow you to do uh, is it allows you to rattle that opposition um, and, and allow them to kind of make mistakes and give us some chances, which we've seen uh, previously. And, and 
you know, going forwards, we've had no real issues. We started to be uh, more creative on the ball, uh, but also capitalizing on some of these mistakes as well. Uh, we're talking about a lineup that was, I mean, against Man City, we'll get to again, but we're missing Saar and we're still looking somewhat potent uh, and, and like we can be making chances. So I, I think that's the real positive there. And that's that's why I come out of this set of fish, just thinking that, you know, we might not have got some results we wanted. We got six points, which is, I'd say, decent. And then we've also put ourselves in a position where we have developed a, a system, a style of play that's kind of versatile, can be effective and suits what we have. Mm. After after witnessing that um, that high press that Watford employed against against Chelsea, and, and I think that Thomas Tuchel probably uh, underestimated Watford a little bit there. I don't think he expected Watford to, to be uh, quite as good as they were on the day. Was you surprised a little bit that uh, Watford didn't carry on with that style against Man City? Uh, Ranieri admitted that he went to more of a, a, counting, a, a counter-attacking uh, star rather than that high press. Yeah, I mean it, it's tough because City City use space in such a different way to other teams um, that it, it, it's, it's a little bit harder to do. I mean, I think we tried to be a little bit more aggressive with our midfielders. It ended up being primarily actually loser who was sat the deepest of midfield. Um, with Sissoko and cleverly kind of advancing a little bit and trying to pressure Rodri in the ball, make him play a little bit faster and try and kind of make him play a little bit backwards at times. But um, with, the, with the way City were able to kind of bring those runners forward and get those fullbacks wide, high up the pitch, Jack Grealish was dropping into midfield, kind of playing that false nine role. It, it made it very difficult for him. And I think early on they were able to control that space. Um, I, I think we just didn't really, we just couldn't really contain them. Um, and that is that's more of a kind of a, I said that's more of a more of a point on Man City being as good as they are individually and as a collective. Um, we obviously had some individual mistakes in there too, um, which led kind of con- contributed to goals quite heavily. We'll get to us again, I'm sure. Um, but in terms of the overall approach, I do think it's understandable to make some tweaks um, in, in how you play a team like City because the space that's used and the, the ability they have on the ball when they when they get it in these areas, it's very difficult to, to stop. And especially if you press high, there are a few occasions where in the second half we were being a little bit more aggressive, and you can see um, the frailties in doing so. To me, when you play Man City, it always feels like you're 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 a boxer fighting the box with double the reach on you and you just every time you kind of if you're going to lay a glove on them you've got to get in there and you've got to take a risk and but you know you, you can get punished for it pretty heavily because City are able to push you back and and that's kind of what happened in the end but um, I, I think in terms of approach I, I can't really fault what he was trying to do um, as we said we've seen how devastating it can be to try and sit back and, and close space from deeper positions as well So what was the game plan to let Man City have the majority of the ball? I think the the, the game plan from from my perspective, from from kind of what we can see up here, uh, especially in the first half, he did shift things in the second half quite heavily. But the first half allow them allow them a little bit of space um, in in midfield, but just try and stop those runners through the kind of wider areas, um, stop the fullbacks being able to push as high as they can do. Um, Man City almost create like a front four. Um, across your back line and it's stretched wide too I mean the silver can be on one side Sterling can be on the other and they'll be both in the touchline just creating that space both the fullbacks are pushing up Cancelo is obviously deadly at the moment able to come inside playing off that left um, opens up a lot more space and he's able to play the ball um, you kind of create these overloads in all these areas of the pitch which is hard to maintain hard to contain sorry um, and it just creates overloads and they're so able they're so their ability to shift the ball is so precise and so quick um, that you can't, you simply can't travel as quickly as they can move the ball around. And sometimes you're going to leave space open. It requires a ton of discipline um, and a ton of kind of timing execution. Uh, unfortunately, we we did lose our discipline on three occasions quite clearly, and uh, and it cost us goals. But um, I thought for the most part, in 
we, we did a pretty good job of actually kind of staying with them and hanging on. We got a little bit of luck at times. We had a couple of good saves from Backman. Um, but we were we were in the game. And we also showed that City are exposable and we did have a couple of chances. Um, we were quite unfortunate with a couple. And we did score one too. So on a different day, we could have been even closer than it was. And that's what I think we feel positive about because the scoreline maybe doesn't doesn't suggest... Um, or maybe the scoreline, I wouldn't say it doesn't flatter us. I think maybe it was fair on balance, but you can see how things could have gone in a more positive way based on that performance. Backman's come into a, a bit of criticism in the past few games, um, which is very weird, isn't it? Because right at the start of the season, everyone was um, was clamoring for Backman to, to get in ahead of um, Foster. And then once he... Once he, he got his chance, it seems as though people have turned on him. Um, I don't know. I don't understand what's going on. But, um, you know, it, it does appear as though he, he's certainly upped his performance against Man City, at least at least from where I was sitting. But what, what, was, what was your opinion, Jordan? And also, in, in general, since he's come back in? Yeah, I think he got a bit of criticism for, for some of the, the, the goal against Chelsea. And, um, yeah, I mean, he probably could have done a little bit better. But it's, it's easy to say, oh, Foster would have saved that. We, we, we don't. We don't know, um, and the, I think when it comes to when it comes to Foster, um, we he has his own critics as, critics as well. So you can criticize the goalkeeper. I think I think Backman maybe gets a little bit of extra stick just because some of the comments he's made um, as well, whilst he's kind of been kind of in the cold a little bit. But in terms of the game against City, I thought that he was I thought he was pretty good. Um, firstly, some of his shot stopping was good. There was one in particular from Grealish where he kind of his body weight was shifting to the left, and he was able to readjust and get down to the right. Which I'm sure yourself as a goalkeeper, Matt, you'll be aware how difficult that that is yeah. to do. Um, and also, I thought one of his real strong points yesterday, actually, which we've kind of been a little bit concerned about, especially in the Championship, with his claiming of crosses. But I thought he was very good at coming out and, and claiming those corners and claiming the crosses. Obviously, it's not City's primary route to goal, but it was something that he did well, and I think it's worth noting. Um, and I thought it was a good performance. Maybe he could be a bit quicker with distribution at times. Um, but the, I don't think there's too much to, to, to critique on him negatively. Uh, not from that game, at least. If you have your problem with Backman, then you know that's fine. But I think from the, from the City game, I think it was pretty good. Um, I, I wasn't really too concerned. The guys, the guys ahead of him, maybe we might have some more things to say. But <laughs> well, I was going to say, in, in terms of the rest of the squad, um, and we, we've talked about this in the past, Jordan. You've often said to me that you would rather everyone in the team was playing at a seven out of ten rather than having, you know, differences across the side. And unfortunately, I think we're probably more of that latter, with uh, you know, some players playing maybe you know an eight or nine out of ten, and, and some you know definitely more like that five or six mm. um at best it's 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 difficult but um uh, you know you, you stand by what you say that you, you'd, you'd rather have everyone around about a seven yeah i mean i think the idea is having a, a cohesive unit with you know kind of some balance and uh, and strategic execution is a little bit more beneficial and at times you have someone that drops off the ball a little bit and it can be it can be extremely damaging i think that's what we saw uh, obviously we've got some issues which we should definitely discuss which is in general the back line Mm. Um, I think that's that's a real issue for us now. I think defensively we have to discuss that because, as, as a collective, as a defensive unit, you could you could even say we're a good defensive team from the the whole team standpoint. When we're talking about our back line defending as a as a separate unit, so it's a different story. Um, no, well, none of, none of those back line, are, barring maybe Kiko, are getting a seven for me. No, no, I mean that's fair. Like I think I think Kiko, I think he was good again. I I, I still like Kiko. You can you can. You can maybe point out some weaknesses in him defensively, but I think he really covers the ground well and he defends space well. Obviously, we know what he contributes going forward. Um, 
I will say I'll, I'll give an honourable mention, or maybe or stand up, give a little bit of defence to Craig Cathcart. I think he, I think he did reasonably well. I think he's he's filled in reasonably well. I think if he'd have been filling in alongside a better defender, um, we would have done okay. Um, I think if he'd have been alongside Nkulu or um, or even Syriata, I think we maybe would feel a little bit better, and I think he would have done a good job. I just think that next to Truce to Kong, unfortunately, um, especially since that Leicester game. Uh, where he was starting, Trusta Kong has looked looked off the pace. He hasn't looked good enough. Um, he struggled, to be quite honest, uh, which is unfortunate. And then, of course, alongside him, I thought Danny Rose had one of the worst before. Danny Rose's performance against Man City was up there with one of the worst I've seen, unfortunately. Um, and it, he had a direct hand in, in all three goals that were conceded. So it, it's it's frustrating, um, and you expect better. And I think Trusta Kong's, um, I, I think Trusta Kong's mistakes. Uh, and Trista Kong's struggles, I think, are much more uh, forgivable. Might be the wrong term, but I can empathise much more. Well, I mean, the, the the problem the problem is Jordan is that, uh, and maybe I'm being a bit harsh here by giving them, you know, under a seven uh, in terms of rating because maybe they're playing at a ten, but just at their level. Um, and if they're giving the best that they can give, and it's it's not good enough to you know, to, to, to produce the kind of stand that we want, then clearly there's a problem. If, if you know, they're, they're just putting in a, a you know, if, they, if they're underperforming, but, but they've, um, they've got the, the ability to, to get higher up, then, then maybe you can defend it. But, um, you know, we've seen enough of Trusta Kong now to, to know whether we think he's cut out for the Premier League. And, you know, unfortunately, I don't, I don't think he is. Yeah, I think he's. I, I do think he's capable of playing better than what we've seen of him in recent weeks. So I don't think he's a top yeah, centre back really? for us. I, I do. I think I, Danny I mean, Rose is. I mean, we've, we've oh, Danny Rose. I mean, we'll get to Danny Rose hundred percent. We've clearly seen Danny Rose is 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 far better than than what he's giving us at the minute. And I I, I fail to believe that in two years' time a player can go from you know being on the fringes of the England squad playing for Tottenham, um, you know one of the the best teams in this in this division, albeit not showing it. That much this season um, to to the kind of football that we're seeing from at the minute. Well, yeah, I think that's two different things. That's what I mean. I think I think Trusta Kong is is capable of playing to a higher level than what he's put, what he's shown us in the last couple of weeks. I'm not, but I think the ceiling is much lower than Danny Rose. I, I don't think that Trusta Kong is a top top um, centre back, but Danny Rose does have the ability to play at a top level um, at left back. Trusta Kong, he made a couple of mistakes. He's not been great, but we know what Trusta offers, and I do think that. Every single game, I do think he's trying his best. He made a couple of mistakes. I know it sounds very much like, you know, um, under eight's coaching saying he's doing his best, but there, there's an element that, that does play into this um, this idea of how how you're rating these player performances. And, and with Trusta Kong, he, the efforts there, the leadership's there, the intangibles are there. Sometimes the ability's lacking, but you know that he's going to put in the effort. You know what you're going to get from him in a sense. With Danny Rose, I, I think the real frustration comes from. Um, just comes from the personality of the player, and I don't. I'm not saying I'm not criticizing his personality off the field. When I say personality of the player, I'm talking about how he conducts himself on the pitch. And I think when you watch that game, you watch those goals back, you see a player that is not playing as part of the team. He's playing as an individual, um, and he's making decisions to the detriment of the team, which an experienced England's national like he is, uh, and someone that's played Champions League football and played at the level he has the number of years that he has. He knows he shouldn't be doing that stuff, but it's reckless, and he doesn't have to be reckless. But he lost control at times. I guess I'm mainly referring to the, the I think it was the second. Was it the second goal? We kind of dives out of defence and tries to make a play on the ball, doesn't make it out of position. Mm. Goal. 
um, he should be doing better than that. And that's one that that's the one that really got to me because that is purely a decision being made from a player to overcommit in a time that's just not necessary. It, it's doing it to make it. It's doing it to do something. Uh, and what he actually needed to do was, you know, beat players' position, play play to the team, and, and allow that space to be closed by his teammates. But instead, he kind of rushed out, tried to make a play, didn't do it. Uh, it's massively high risk, and at the time of the game, it was it really killed us. We can criticise the kind of there's obviously other elements too. Um, the first, we, I guess we should talk about the goals as they came, really, shouldn't we? Yeah, I mean, so the first goal we talk about the kind of the switching of play from Man City, how they like to kind of spread that ball wide, shift it right to the side, and you've just got to try and keep up. Um, and this was one where Danny Rose initial positioning fine, um, but as the ball switches across, he just completely loses his marker. He completely loses his position. He's not staying in. He's not staying in, in position where he needs to be. He's not following his runner, and uh, yeah, eventually the ball comes back and it, it's a goal. And that is Danny Rose out of position. Could we have done more in other areas of the pitch? Sure, um, but if you're talking about the, the person that's contributed from our side or, or done the least to prevent the goal, uh, you, you'd have to look at Danny Rose. And it's it's a shame, but that is what happened. Um, we've got the goal we just talked about there. Dive out of position cost you cost you space cost you cost you a man over and you can't allow that against man city and if you're going to do so if you're going to allow that extra man for city at least let it be when you're counter-attacking or when you're trying to throw bodies forward but when it comes to defending and you dive out it's just suicidal um really frustrating so doesn't do well again there and then the last one um he got a lot of, probably got the most criticism for this one actually which i think in some ways it it's it's is kind of silly but i i i feel like it's the least the least problematic for me is when he kind of allows Bernardo Silva to cut inside. I mean, I don't know. I go back and forth on this because we all know, I think everyone watching that game right there expects Bernardo Silva to cut in his left foot. And he does, and he whips into the top corner. Maybe as a defender, you could you could make that decision, you can make a mistake, and, and, and you've you kind of just, you basically messed up. And Bernardo Silva's gone to a strong foot and scored. I just find that less egregious than, than kind of reckless defending. Um, but still, it's a fair criticism because it results in the goal and it seems like something which is or should be fairly obvious. Um, now, of course, there were other elements that led to these goals. It wasn't just Danny Rose, but mm. he had a hand to play in all three of them. And I, <laughs> he was taken off, I don't think because he was unfit or because we were trying to make a real tactical change. It was it was to bring on a, a young right back because he was having a, he was having a nightmare of a game. Um, and for Claudio Ranieri to, to change, make that change just kind of says everything. Mm. I was, I was I was hoping that uh, Morris would get a go. I I I, yeah. I, 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 I didn't I didn't I didn't know. Well, I, I didn't think that that uh, Ingakia change would work. Uh, just because he, you know, I've never seen him played on the left before. But he did okay when he came on. Mm. I mean, yeah, to be I, fair, I the did. game had kind of gone by that point, so it wasn't the same kind of test that Danny Rose was getting. And, but um, you know, he, he he did all the basics right for me. Yeah, and that's the thing that if ultimately. Ultimately, we want him to defend. We want to have, against City especially, the contribution going forward is going to be minimal or, or less so than, than you would expect against other teams. Um, but we know that Ngaki can do that, that one-on-one defending, arguably the best one-on-one defender in the team. That's not something we're can, too concerned about. Obviously, him playing the left is maybe a little bit different. Uh, use of the ball is a little bit different too. But I think at that portion of the game, we would have felt much com- more comfortable had that change been made at half time, even. So uh, I think it's more about kind of Danny Rose than it was about Ngakia. But um, I-, I thought Ngakia was fine when he came on. 
especially when you're comparing him to the performance that Danny Rose put in. I feel bad just kind of harping on Danny Rose here, but it was really poor. And I do think, I do think too, the worst thing, the most egregious thing is, as you're saying, um, you can forgive lack of ability, but when you can see, when you can see that kind of, it's just the body language of Rose and it's, it's the way that he approaches things sometimes. You can, you can tell when he's in a kind of, when he's in that bad mood and he's not really feeling it and he's not, he's he's kind of separate from the team. He's on a bit of an island on how he conducts himself. And I think it doesn't always have to be like that. He's had some good performances. I can't recall off the top of my head the game it was, but he had one really solid game at home um, earlier on in the season. But this one was just the absolute worst of Danny Rose in every capacity. It, it was a very bad afternoon for, for Danny Rose. And um, I think, you know, it's definitely an area that Watford have to look at um, you know, in the January transfer window, and especially about a Messina's fire injury that you know looks like he could be out for a, a while, they'll need cover there, even if they do stick with Danny Rose. Yeah, I, I think they will do. I mean, I'm not sure. Did Lazar find a team, or are we going to go back to? Uh, go back? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> um, yeah, we need to we need to address it in, in some capacity. We need to address left back, and we, we need help. Who was worse, Lazar or Rose? <sighs> I mean. <laughs> Rose was Rose performed worse than every than, than any Lazar performance, I'd say. But having said that, Lazar is definitely the worst player. But um, I'm just trying to think. What was Lazar's big contribution? Was it a mistake away at Luton? Was that Lazar? I've seen Salongo. I feel like did Lazar get sent off? No, I'm like no. There was oh no, there's some back pass from Lazar against Luton, wasn't there? That cost us a goal after coming on the sub. Sorry, I'll put you on the spot here. But no, I don't, yeah, the don't Rose even even so, the Rose performance was worse. Yes, that was worse on on Saturday. I thought it was really bad. Um, but I think we're gonna have to address it. And I think our, our back line in general could could do with some addressing. Um, left back is is a definite if Messina's gonna be out kind of longer term. But centre back too. I can't remember where I where I read this, but um, I, I believe I read that Watford wanted to bring in an experienced left back rather than um, you know a youngster. Yeah, I mean, I think you're talking about value for money. It's going to be experience. I think generally these these kind of deals in January are going to be um, are going to be that sort of player purely because the younger guys that have got some potential that's included in the price, and you kind of obviously add the inflation of January to it, and also um, tying yourself down to contracts, um, Premier League contracts, and you're kind of midway through the season, you don't know your fate for next season. Um, a shorter term deal or, or someone for a, or a deal for a kind of more senior player with with less value is definitely more likely i think you're probably looking at someone similar to the danny rose sort of signing um at left back or someone that can just fill in uh for the remainder of the season kind of no real long-term committal or if there is some kind of longer-term committal there's a, a get out a get out clause in the sense that we could kind of move on in the summer should we get relegated or should we need to um but these 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 kind of the way we address our our squad in the january transfer window is going to be very short term i would imagine just uh, scouring the uh, the Twitter sphere here for for any news about uh, potential left backs that people like, and I've, I've seen something from at Lou Hornsey who says uh, Luca Pellegrini uh, would would be a good shout, or or Demarco potentially. What, what's it? What's it? What's there? Yeah, I just it just it's just a it's how realistic it is getting those guys in in January. Um, again, it's are you gonna are you gonna be able to play pay the prices for um, for these guys that are contracted and you know Pellegrini he's He's a highly rated defender. He's he's only young still himself, and I don't know if I don't know how open how open they would be or Juventus would be to kind of moving on from him at this point in the season. And like I like the names for sure, but in terms of what what will we do, you know, we, we could be looking at someone a little bit more pragmatic than uh, 
than than the. I mean, something you can always guarantee for with Watford is that uh, no matter what name you uh, you put out there, it will be someone completely different that you uh, <laughs> that comes through the door that no one ever expected. Yeah, it's hard. And you can you can make some educated guesses. Like I like you know I like what what Lou's thinking there. Like it's not it's not a criticism against the against the player or kind of the want for that player. It's just what are we? It's, we're kind of more looking at what not necessarily what we want us to do. It's more what will we do? I mean, we're probably more likely to bring in Jens Larsen from Udinese. You know, that's kind of the, that's kind of the move. We're probably look those sorts of players are looking to come in. Um, rather than kind of going out and spending the sorts of fees we wanted to, because in reality, if we had if we'd been able to do that earlier on and, and actually done that, we should have done that in the summer. You would have hoped that we'd have done that in the summer. Um, clearly, there was a reason why we didn't. So, well, now... on the face of it, taking a punt on you know a former England international, uh, you know, he's only thirty, is a, a you know a, a one worth taking. I think. Yeah. No, we we've done nothing. I mean, look, we you can argue that the due diligence wasn't as good as it should have been. Maybe they maybe they feel that maybe people could feel that they knew that Danny Rose was past it. Maybe not physically past it, but he's not fully committed to his role as, as a player, perhaps. I mean, obviously I'm just making assumptions here. Um, excuse that. But um, you, you could argue that. But at the same time, as you say, he, he as a player, as what he can, what he can do, um, there's nothing wrong with it. And we didn't, we didn't kind of, fork out a lot of money and we probably felt reasonably comfortable in Adam Messina obviously when Adam Messina gets injured then things become a different story you combine that of Rose not playing well and suddenly left back that's a real problem um, but look, we've not really kind of we've always had some issue at left back since Holobas left honestly haven't we we've never really kind of got that one-two combination there that starter backup or even kind of that that kind of um, left back by committee, whoever's playing well is going in there. It's always been a little bit of an issue. If you've had one available, the other one's been injured or not been playing well, there's never quite been that consistency. So that's definitely one thing we have to address. I do think left back is a problem that's slightly easier solved in some ways. I think the centre back's the one that's going to be the real concern, um, especially if the injuries to Nkulu and, and Syriata are something, that, are something that's consistent throughout the season. If we don't have them available, um, then we really have to address that one because I think the centre-back issues now are going to be plaguing us too. Yeah, it's definitely the two priority areas to, to look at. So one more thing, um, not just that, we also have to be potentially looking at a, a wide man too in terms of you know some some width. Uh, if Ismail Asara's injury is longer term than we'd have hoped as well, that could be an area we have to look at as well. Oh, that's interesting. I, I you know Personally, I'm, I thought we had quite a bit of decent cover in there, in the wide areas, um, you know, we're going to get onto him, but um, Kucho Hernandez, I think, uh, has you know put in one of his best performances yesterday, uh, and he was only mm-hmm. on the pitch for you know half an hour or all that, if if even that. Um, I think that Jao Pedro can certainly play out there if needed to. Uh, Ken Semmer's kind of a forgotten man. I know he's injured at the minute, but um, uh, you know when he comes back, uh, I think it's probably going to be a time frame that's shorter than Ishmael Osar one if. You know the Ismaili Asar one, as is believed to be, is a potential uh, knee ligament issue. Um, but what, what what do you think then? You think that we're we're short in that area? Yeah, I do in the sense that if if say if Dennis goes down, for example, then I think that's things start. That's, yeah, that, I mean, yes. If if Dennis goes down, I think we're in a whole whole world of trouble. Yeah. Well, and not just that too. It, the problem is when we when we are this light on the wing, um, and the way that some players have that flexibility to play across other positions. But also then um, our wings, our wing depth is also dependent on Josh King staying fit. Because if Josh King's down, then you're looking at Pedro essentially too. Um, so then suddenly you're down another winger. And I, I think it's an area that we should be addressing, whether it's someone again that's got that. I think with the style of play we, we are 
we're using right now you can be a little bit flexible with that striker he doesn't have to be necessarily a kind of conventional forward he can be someone that's a little bit more versatile so if we're able to bring in someone that has the ability to play wide and essentially someone like Pedro or Chicho Hernandez someone that can play in those different positions or then Philip Zinkenagel perhaps well that, that that brings us on to the next <laughs> you've read my mind Matt is that is that something you look at um you've got a, you've got a player built in there that's had a good half of the season different manager um and you've got a, you've got a real need, and you can bring him back for for very low very low fee, and he's back in the team. He's, he's comfortable in the area. He knows the team, uh, his teammates. He's got a lot of um, a lot of roots in the, at the club already. Is that something you look at? Because we know there's a recall option in January, and we know we're down a player. If we want to be safe, if you want to kind of be safe and smart, I think that's the way to go. Um, and it, also, he's someone that can play centrally too. He can give us something a little bit different if needed. But I think for me personally, at this point, it's an absolute no-brainer. A very low fee. That's interesting. I didn't realize that um, you'd have to pay the the loan e club to to get him back. Depends on the deal, but there might be some form of compensation. Yeah. Oh really? Oh, that's interesting. And then again, you're also and the fee also is included in the sense that you will be paying his wages too. Well, yes, yes. Um... Yeah, about saying. But yeah. which you can t- you can write off at this point. If but again, we don't know the structure of the deal, no. but there'll be some money involved. But compared to compared to what um, compared to what we could be paying for a winger as well, it should be relatively modest. Yeah, um, Tom Deli Bashira. If I if I get onto the subject of loans, loanies away, he were doing well. Deli Bashira has been um, playing pretty well this season. Should he be brought back? Do you reckon at the um, at the at the January break as well, or do you think that? Um... Um... I would bring him back for first team football, but I don't think he's be getting it right now. As of right now, honestly, I still think he's a long term prospect for us, and I want him to get playing football, especially coming back of an injury. Um, I think the best thing, the best thing for him right now is to be playing. I think at, at a certain part of the season or, or pre season, I think we felt quite strongly that he'd be a contributor to the team. As as time's gone on, we've obviously brought in, in more midfielders, and that's an area that's become a little bit more packed. Um, and there's a few too many that would be ahead of him. So right now. Whilst I think he could be a genuine contender for a starting position next season, I think let's just give him, give him that time out on loan um, and allow him to kind of build that experience up. Uh, a little bit different to Zinconegel, who's older, and we kind of need him right now. Um, but yeah, look, he looks really promising, and I'm glad he's actually been playing a lot. Okay, interestingly. Well, um, we've spoken about uh, you know some of the weaker areas of Watford's side. Let's have a talk about some of the stronger areas now. We've mentioned their names very briefly already, but um, as uh, you haven't had a chance to, to talk about it much in the last couple of games, because you, you haven't been here for them, Jordan, um, Emmanuel Dennis um, is going from strength to strength, looking like, uh, you know, one of the, the, the buyers of the season. Yeah, he is. He's been looking great. Um, I've really enjoyed his performances the last few weeks. I think he's, or actually the whole season, really. He's, I love, un, I love unorthodox players, and he's one of them. Um, he looks... Sometimes awkward on the ball, even though he moves cleanly, he still has that kind of that unpredictability, which makes it hard to defend against. Um, his control has been good. His, his direct, his running at players, his, his his energy, his work rate is honestly it's it's the best we've seen at the club for a long time. He can cut he can cut teams apart with how he carries the ball, but defensively too, he's back in your own half and he's he's able to keep going for the entirety of the match. I think he's. Um, He's been phenomenal, honestly. I think he was slightly overshadowed at the beginning of the season just because Saar was kind of being quite productive. But um, Dennis has been, yeah, you, you really could not have asked more from him, especially you talk about the value and how much we paid for him. But um, you could have paid, you know, 10 times the amount. And you're still looking at that sort, of, that sort of player. So I can't really say too many more things about Dennis that, the, the negative. There aren't really any so far. It's just been just been top top effort from him and it's been really, really good. Um, it's a shame we don't have that that player on the other side in Saab, but 
yeah, I, I just I think he's been excellent. Yeah, and he's doing all of this, Jordan, and and it's clear that um, you know, he's not at hundred percent fitness either. No, I mean, look, he's carrying some injuries. He's gonna be he's gonna be ha- he's gonna be hit a lot during games. He's obviously picking up some. Every player is by this point in the season, um, but he's he's just been able to contribute, and he's been extremely productive obviously in front of goalies his goal contributions have been excellent um he, he's he's been scoring he's been assisting but it's, it's more than that it's his carrying of the ball he suits the style of play perfectly he's a pressing machine we saw that under 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 cisco even um in the first game of the season he's naturally that's how he played his game that wasn't a massive part of how, how cisco played at all but up front when he was playing that central role he was you know he was relentless there so naturally he fits what we're doing now extremely well um, as we said, that engine suits that massively too. He's able to get around the pitch c- consistently um, at pace. His sprints are kind of ridiculous. How often he's sprinting and how how well he's executing them. I, I just think that he's he's a coach's dream, and especially uh, especially Ranieri's dream too. So you get him in goal scoring positions as well. Um, and I, I think it's just a deadly combination. I think defenders are struggling to, to struggling to kind of contain him. He has a real knack for getting players off balance and just getting shots away. Not always the cleanest strike, but he's able to get shots away from from unpredictable, strange angles. It's making it really difficult for defenders and and goalkeepers to stop. Um, so yeah, just absolute absolute beast in transition and and someone that's really kind of benefited from the changes in the club. Mm. But I think uh, I think credit also has to go to Josh King. Um, in recent games, I think, or actually this season, I think as a, as a front man, obviously we've seen him start to get involved kind of in the goals. Uh, he was unfortunate not to score against uh, against City. Actually, it was a really good ball across, and he just kind of pulled the shot wide. But I think he deserves a lot of credit for a um, for filling the role that he's doing. Um, he, he's been honestly, I'd say he's been pretty much a perfect frontman for us in the sense that he's been able to do everything that's been asked of him. He's held the ball up much better than I actually thought Josh King could. Um, I think he's worked well as that that out ball. He can chase balls down. He can he can play facing goal away from goal. Um, he, he's been all over that front line. He's linked up play well. He's dropped in deep. And I just think he's been really, really solid. His goal scoring, you could maybe ask for a little bit more, but he hasn't been given a, a great amount of chances. Um, but I just think that his, his work off the ball has been excellent. I think he's just been a real real solid signing um, and yeah I think we kind of talked a li- about it a little bit on Twitter too but I, I think it deserves a mention um, of how well the the recruitment team have done for the forward line there are some issues at the back for sure but in terms of identifying players that forward line I think we've done a good job of reconstructing that and uh, you kind of look back at last season how quickly we've changed around that for that group of forwards you know success Dini, Gray, Pericha, all these guys and suddenly we've got a different much much different looking forward line with uh some real some real quality in there but some 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 players that really suit the systems that we're utilizing right now and um it's been a lot more positive so just wanted to touch on that before we moved on we've come a, a little bit away from the, the the Man City game but let's get back into it it was um it was one of those games where Watford never gave up which was I think uh so refreshing to see against Manchester City and obviously it comes off the back of such a great performance against Chelsea as well. And I think what epitomises the the way that Watford were playing against City was that goal that we scored via Cucho Hernandez. The the fact that he he got his first shot off uh, and just followed it up, um, you know, feeling perhaps that it wasn't going to go in the first time. It, it got the deflection off the post and he was there, you know, quick as a flash to, to stick it in. I, I think that um, tenacity and that, you know, determination to not give up really sort of like... Um, you know, reflected the whole the whole squad yesterday. Yeah, I think it's, I think that's spot on. I think, as you said, that tenacity and it's something we discussed previously too. Um, when we were kind of talking early on under under Ranieri's reign, um, I think it was just after the Liverpool game. We were saying how 
how frustrating that start was and we were talking about how how more effective how much more effective and how much better we look as a team we play somewhat on the front foot um it's not gonna work every time but i think playing with that that level of aggression gives you that momentum um and it allows you to kind of get through these periods it allows you to take these losses um with a little bit more pride and a little bit more positive uh, focus off it and it, the way it translates onto the onto the pitch uh, performance is, is is very clear. You can see how it changes things. I'm sure the atmosphere at the game is is entirely different because there's that that positive energy around the game. You know we're going to be aggressive. You know we're going to try and, and and play our style, and we start to create an identity. Uh, and it's easier for the players to buy into it. Yeah, it's tiring. It's a harder thing to execute for the players, but they feed off all of that energy from their teammates and the crowd. And it makes it a far more effective unit in my eyes. And I think we've always been uh, been that. I think we've always kind of adapted well to that sort of mentality and we haven't really seen it since maybe Javi Gracia that we really kind of had that feeling of of risk that we'd take in attack and, and chances we'd take even defensively too um, and that's been our most successful period up to this date so I think I think that that if we can continue with that going forwards, no matter who we're playing against, I, I do genuinely think that it will put us in quite good stead. Now the next part of this month is going to be... Um probably the the defining moment for for Ranieri uh and he's and he said you know similar to, to to that as well he he basically said this is a this is a big month for for, for himself and for, for Watford and uh you know he's not lying is he the likes of Brentford Burnley Palace and, and Wolves all to come up and you know they're the sort of teams that Watford should be challenging against and and you know should be getting points from yeah it's going to be and it's going to be fascinating to see um how we how we actually approach these games because you'd expect to see some of the same elements carry across but we're also going to have a little bit more a little bit more emphasis on the ball ourselves we're going to have more opportunity to play we haven't really seen that too much yet um obviously Ranieri's had some occasion to do so against Southampton but it's so early on in this spell I think only now have we really kind of got to a point where we start to feel uh, comfortable in what we're doing so it'd be, it'd be interesting to see how we approach this one whether we see a change of shape um, just kind of different, different kind of movement from the players. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see. But as as you're saying, it's it's an opportunity for us now. These these are the kind of the moments we've got to be seeing that end product. And that's that's again we discussed this too. Um, we almost want to have those those difficult games front loaded because these are the ones we can come into this this patch now against the teams around us. We've had five games to work on things. We've had five games to kind of slowly build towards something. I do feel like we are kind of reaching that point. We are building towards a team which we can kind of we can kind of call upon that identity. Same as, as again, same as Cali Gracia's time. We knew the positives of the team. We could see how we were going to play and we were able to watch that build and we were able to watch that develop over time. And once you start to get that comfort within in that style of play, then you're able to start kind of making those tweaks that really start to change, uh, start to change games and start to give you that that flexibility within games. I think we're just almost at that point now. So if we can get come out of this game, out of this set of fixtures with some some decent numbers, if we can get some points out of these games, then we're in a really good position to carry on for the second half of the season um, because we we are capable of being quite an effective team. We've got some defensive frailties for sure, but in, in other areas of the pitch, if we address those, we could actually be quite a, quite a decent outfit and we're not actually that far off it. There are teams around us which are worse, um, but so much of what we've seen in this early part of the season has been down to some, some misfortune with injuries, um, a little bit of poor recruitment defensively, but some bad coaching early on and we are capable of being coached to be better and I think we're seeing that from Ranieri. Hmm. What, what do you think the, the, the realistic points that he should be aiming for should 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 be Jordan and you know from five games five games yeah I mean you'd have to say nine wouldn't you I think that's I think that's kind of where you'd be looking for yeah um 
yeah, seven, seven, eight, nine, just around that mark. Two wins, two two wins, and another result. Basically, um, you, you could you could obviously look for more, of course. But I think um, I think being being realistic, being pragmatic, that's kind of what you're thinking. Um, but I think too, when you look at these blocks, when you kind of break these down, oftentimes the games that you look to get points from aren't even the ones you actually do. So <laughs> same with the, the kind of one we just yeah. went through, right? You wouldn't think Everton away, Man United at home, maybe maybe you'd say Man United, but Everton away would always kind of struggled there was i right in thinking that's our first win at everton is that is that incorrect um no that that was correct our first win at everton yeah yeah so i mean that's something you look at prior to going there and you can kind of question whether that's could be where you get the points from but it ends up being doing so so you know it's maybe hard to predict um how these ones will go exactly but if we come out of it with with six oh sorry seven eight nine points then I mean, I think that's a, a, a job well done, a sign we can draw from quite quite well. But again, I still kind of feel the same. If we can see these incremental improvements, we can keep building towards something. Maybe have a back, maybe have a backward step in there at some point. But as long as the overall goal we're getting closer to, then we can feel quite positive. And especially if you come out of it with with that acute, that number of points, and you're feeling even better. Um, but for so long at Watford, we've been desperate to see to see that that development and to see that kind of that coaching kind of come through onto the pitch. Um, and I think Ranieri does deserve a lot of credit for how how well he's kind of started to get that across, taking out the results um, because, of, as we said, there have been a few that have been unfortunate and it doesn't look great on paper. But having the nuance of watching the games and seeing how things are developed, you can you can feel a lot better. And I think we can continue to move forward with that. Mm. What about you? What are you thinking? Like how what are you expecting to get out of these next five games? Yeah, like yourself, I was hoping for at least a couple of wins. Um, I think you probably have to look at. Palace as being a, a great opportunity um, and Brentford, although, um, you know, we, we we lost there last season, didn't we, at Brentford and we drew against them as well. So, but I mean, you know, their, their teams are quite different from, from last season and you can't really look at that as, as being identified, but it's just, um, you know, that Brentford play play good football. I think that Palace are... are are they struggling a bit at the minute? I mean, they're getting a lot more draws than they probably should be. I think they they yeah. they they've been in games certainly, but they haven't been able to see it off a lot of the time. Yeah, well, they're not quite. I mean, in terms of how we're talking about Ranieri here and and the managers getting his points across, and we're starting to see that development of a style. Um, I, I think that's something that's maybe lacking or, or stuttering a little bit at Palace, which hasn't quite come through in results just yet. Burnley, I think you've got to identify as one where you can get three points. They're having a, they're having a very difficult season. Um, yeah. And Wolves, I don't know. We, never, <laughs> we, we often don't have good yeah. games against Wolves, to be honest. And West Ham at the minute, they're um, you know they're flying, aren't they? So it's yeah. uh, you know they those two are going to be tricky. But I'd say like, I, I want us to I want us to aim for for three points definitely against 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 Palace. Brentford and Burnley. I think those are the three I'm looking at for hopefully a return. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, and also too, I mean, it's not, it's pretty, you look at that block and then you think, okay, we've got Tottenham. But then after that, you're back into that next set of fixtures again where you've got those points to kind of gain Newcastle, you know, really up to now, bad team. Norwich, bad team. West Ham, Okay, back to them again, but we might have learned a little bit from the previous one. Then Brighton, Villa. Then we go to the kind of the next round with United. Us. I know we're going looking far ahead here, but we are looking at these two kind of blocks. Tottenham's just in between on 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 New Year's Day or whatever. That's that's something we can look at as a as a different game. But you can really look at this as nine or ten fixtures, really. Mm. So. Uh, you, know, you know what? I'm actually not that um, disappointed about having the 
the big block of you know the big hitters. No, I think it was good. I think I think I I have to go back to to confirm this, but I'm pretty sure that we we discussed it in this manner. I think we felt like it was a good thing to have these big games up early because honestly, if we were going to the first five games um, under Ranieri against Burnley, Palace, Wolves, West Ham, Brentford, that would have been more of a concern to me because these are games we have to be getting it right for or at least putting ourselves in the best position to win. Yeah, Yeah, we're not playing the exact same way against these top teams, but there are certain fundamentals of a coach like Ranieri. We're we're not talking about the, the motivator that comes in, just kind of gets them going in a different way. We're talking about someone that's methodical and someone that has real principles that he has to instill. And if you don't give him the time to do so, you're not going to see the results. I think we've actually adapted pretty well. Um, I think the the team is a credit to Ranieri in terms of how he how he does his job, but also the, the personnel to actually execute what he's asked or what has been asked of them. But we've seen um, we've seen the team kind of thrive off that a little bit. And being in the position now, we're coming into these games. I think we can feel a little bit more positive. It's not going to be perfect because we have some issues in personnel uh, personnel wise. We have some deficiencies, but we feel in a much better position. Uh, and I think we should be positive about that. Right, well, let's move on to uh, the, the next team uh, that Watford are playing. Then it's going to be a Friday night fixture. And uh, last season, we were very delighted to be joined by David Anderson. And Jordan uh, has been chatting to David ahead of this one to find out from a tactical point of view uh, what the lowdown is going to be. Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. They're actually a special edition of the Watford Buzz podcast. It's also a Bees tactical crossover. I'm not sure what the hybrid of a Bee and a Hornet is, but... That's effectively what we are today. We're happy to be joined. It's a wasp, is it? Yeah, maybe <laughs> it's a wasp. Yeah. All is right. it a wasp or is it a horny? It's a hive, it's a hive, of, a hive of, uh, of chat. It's, it's the, I mean, wherever it is, it's, it's, it's a beautiful combination because we're pleased to have friend of the show, David Anderson, back um, from to offer a, a Brentford perspective. It's just so it's me, Matt, and, and, and David today. Tom wasn't able to, able to join us. He's down at the allotment again. So it's just the three of us. Um, and we wanted to go over... The upcoming game on Friday, obviously, it's a huge game for both teams now. Um, and, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing how it pans out. We wanted to add a little bit of extra detail and a little bit of build-up coming into that game on Friday night. So uh, we're going to go over the two teams, kind of talk about how our seasons have fared uh, a little bit, kind of respectively, um, with both both sides of the fan bases listening to this one, hopefully. So want to add a little bit of context there. And then we'll kind of get a little bit further into the, uh, the game on Friday itself and what we expect to see. So... David, how, how's it going? It's been a long time. Uh, hi, Jordan. Yep, going really well, thank you. Yeah, it's been ages, hasn't it? It's um, we f- it felt like we chatted quite a lot in the championship, and um, our our journeys were almost somewhat aligned, and we both made it up into the Premier League, and then we've forgotten about each other just because of this grueling, um, tough game where you just seem to get outplayed every week. But um, now we're yeah, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to chatting to you guys. Actually, it's been nice and catching up on how you've been and how you found the season. Um, and I, I think it's similar to Brentford in some respects. So, yeah, it'd be good to to get into the nitty-gritty of um, your guys' season. It's a different experience, isn't it, the Premier League? From a fan's perspective and just com- and just covering the games, it's a, it's a much different uh, much different way of doing it, especially with the schedule being so so varied and not quite that same two games a week kind of situation that you have. And it's just a, a very different thing, um, especially as well when you throw in those those big games in there too against the top sides. It just, it just feels like a very a very differently paced season. So um, yeah, it's good to get down and, and chat as well. Um, so yeah, this, I think we might as well start with, seeing as, seeing as you're here, David, we might as well start with Brentford. Kind of what's, what are your thoughts on the season so far? Kind of where are you, where are you looking at Brentford? And are you feeling happy about things? Or are you feeling a little bit concerned about a few? Or is it just kind of a, a middling season so far? Yeah, I think I was chatting to the All Stats Army guys the other day, John, and um, 
trying to think about how to summarize the season and I, I think it's just been split into two halves really like the first section was we I think we started really well and we surprised a few teams and we were we were just living off that adrenaline buzz from a really good successful championship season a quick turnaround and then following on a lot of similar players added a couple of a couple of key signings and we we just took that momentum into the first few games and it, it took us a really long while before we actually went behind in the match and I think that just suited us it suited how we wanted to play off the ball and and soak up pressure and then try and hit teams on the counter and we got some pivotal goals at good times and after six games we were looking great I mean yeah we hadn't we weren't technically behind a game for a minute uh, behind in a game for for a minute and it, it just everything felt really good and smooth but there were a couple of things underneath the surface that were bubbling away that we probably hid with some of those early goals and um, a couple of the results and then I think the second half like the next six fixtures kind of exposed those a little bit like um, maybe a, lat- a lack of mobility just a little lack of quality in key moments and then as the injuries start totting up you, you start to see that your second string and your third string, um, they, they just get exposed in this league. There's no real hiding place. And just talking yeah, recently about just weak links, they, they wherever they are on the pitch, they're going to be found out at some stage just because these teams you play are so probing and, and they just work their way through. So it's, it's been... It's been it's been a mixed start. I think we can't overall can't be anything but happy. But yeah, just where we are now, I think you're starting to see the other teams looking really fit, looking sharp, and and really testing you. And it's it's yeah, just every minute in these games is a bit of a slog. I think that's a good point you raised there with the um with the uh, the, the substitutions or the, or the depth in your squad. If you have if you have to bring those players in, if you have injuries or suspensions, it's, it is pretty telling pretty quickly when that quality isn't quite up to scratch. In the championship, you can kind of you can get away with it and you can cover those gaps a little easier um it's also much easier to recruit in some ways in that division too because you can be a little bit more varied in the, in the players you bring in in the premier league you've, you've, there's no as you say no hiding you get punished pretty pretty heavily but um matt i thought i'd ask you what's kind of what's your feelings on the beginning to our season yeah obviously um i was quite excited going up um under the kind of football that we were playing under under cisco munoz and um you know i was hopeful that it would it would work out for him although also I was looking at it from a, a realistic point of view and I, I felt as though maybe he wouldn't perhaps have the, the necessary levels of um, just, I don't know, football now to and uh, maybe t- tactical experience to, to know how to cope with the Premier League. And, and, you know, so it proved that he, you know, he wasn't quite up to it, but um, ever since we brought in, you know, the, the, the new man who of course is very experienced has won a Premier League title as, uh, you know, along with uh, Serie A and, and other divisions as well. he, he just feels like he's brought in a calmness um, and an assuredness. And it's probably not the the best football that we've seen, but that has to, you know, you have to consider the sort of teams that we've played since he's he's been in charge. It's been mostly some of the, the top teams in, in this division. So to come away with the points that we have done um, has been, you know, very, very good. But um, it's more about the football that we're seeing being played out there that is very encouraging and, and it, it you feel as though going against teams um you know perhaps such as Brentford that we should be challenging against uh and and hopeful of getting points uh against rather than the likes of the Chelsea's the Manchester City's who we always know we're going to be even in a big battle against are it, it's encouraging signs and, and hopefully we can you know we can actually start to kick on now under under, under the new man 
Yeah, I think also I think it's very similar to Brentford in the sense that it's, it is a it's very much split into two two halves. I mean, maybe a little bit more defined for us because we have had two managers too. Um, but it is it's been quite different, um, and I think it's been. It's been relatively positive in recent weeks. I think our results, maybe you might look at the the results and obviously they kind of stand out the, the away win at Everton, the, the win against United. But um, in terms of just wins and losses over the last five or six games, it doesn't look great. But there's been a real kind of sense of positive um, positive feeling around the club since Ranieri's come in and we start to see some some positive changes and, and things are feeling a little bit better. Um, would you say that you're kind of on the opposite end of, this, of the trajectory there, David, that you, you feel like Brentford are kind of not fizzling out, but kind of tailing off a little bit and you're having to find ways to kind of get back to the early form of the season. We're perhaps on the opposite side of things where we started quite poorly and maybe starting to kind of reach a peak. Yeah, I think there is some of that. Um, I think the last couple of games we've had to dig. We've had to dig pretty deep and, and we've pulled out a couple of results. Like um, there was the win over Everton, which we got in, we got it, we got ahead basically. And then we just <clears throat> lent on our shape and then, in the end, like come out of the one nil win, and it's it's just a big three points. Mm. Um, following on from that, it's Spurs. Basic Spurs looked a hell of a lot better than us. It was it was a bit of a mauling, really. They they were really good on the counter. They they created loads of chances. It could have been a bit more than two. And you're sort of thinking we can't. We're struggling to put a couple of results together. We look like we're conceding a lot more goals than we should be. And then we go and face Leeds and go away there and without Tony and. Prior to the game, everyone's thinking this is this isn't going to be great. How are we going to even um, how are we going to even put a team together and um, and look competitive in this match? And we actually put in one of our best performances for a really long time. So yeah. some of the things that some of the issues going on in the previous games are slightly Tony dependent, like how how stale we look in attack and we're just looking a bit clunky and there's not much fluidity up front. And when a player like that comes out of your team, you're forced to react. You're either you're either going to just fall away or you look at the rest of your squad, you plug in a couple of holes, you bring other players out of another position and put them somewhere else and, and things might start happening again. And it, it's it's similar to, I think, maybe the Watford fans might get this, not quite as drastic, but when Deeney was out of your side last mm. season, um, it's not so much, I mean, Tony's nowhere near as degrading as, or, or sort of, <laughs> <Absurd>. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, he's not yeah. the same. That's, that's a, probably not the best analogy, but the kind of, the idea is probably similar that you have to play through him. I mean, he's, He's a very, um, he's a very particular type of player. If I could like, give you an example, I think basically. when um, when Fayou got injured uh, in that Premier League season that Watford ultimately went down in, I think that was a you know a big loss for us, and maybe that's a similar example. I don't know if you agree with that one, Jordan, or not. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the difference is here. I think I think David's trying to say that Tony's absence has actually inadvertently led to being a positive, forcing a change, um, and it's a change that wouldn't come about naturally because it's hard to. You know, so Frank's not going to want to drop Tony. I remember us having the discussion last season too, um, in regards to Thomas Frank and changing things. It was real. It really took a kind of forced into doing so. I remember there was a talk mm-hmm. about the change of shape and that the kind of the back three system and changing to that more of a narrow midfield. Eventually, I believe we went to that kind of like diamond midfield for a little while too, and it felt like yeah. a lot of that was overdue, and there was a lot of kind of frustration with fans. This one's maybe a little bit different in the sense that obviously his, his hand has been forced with Tony, and it's not so much that people have been calling for Tony to be to be dropped but um, I think what you're getting at is that kind of 
out of your control, forced into his into his hands or forced into his lap, and it's actually kind of maybe allowed you to look, to look at things a different way or look, make Frank look at things and kind of think outside the box and try a different way. And um, it's obviously difficult because you're not going to want to drop your top goal scorer in the championship last year and someone that was so important to you. But um, this is one of the interesting things about um, promotion teams and seeing how they adapt, because especially for coaches too. And Cisco was definitely one that was uh, on the wrong side of this. But when you get promoted and suddenly you, you go from taking a club that's at the top end of talent in the, in the league generally uh, and someone or a, a team you're looking to be dominating lots of games and you're looking to be controlling things suddenly uh, your, your mindset has to shift completely and you have to find new ways to adapt and it, it's it, even though it's kind of hard to think that your top goal scorer is not going to be central to that new plan or new strategy sometimes um, you, you do require different things in your players and it might change uh, change the role of your of your your top players and it might ask more questions of your coaches but it seems that for Frank that's definitely something that's come about and maybe this is a, a bit of an awakening and eye-opening to how you can uh, perhaps adapt to to, to play in a new league when, when you're stuck with uh, not stuck with but when you're when you're playing a certain way and that's that's kind of all you know and then a key figure of that way of playing is taken out of the team you're left with either adapting or, or doing the thing that might help you, which you just couldn't have done because, as you're saying, you've got such a pivotal player who's played every single minute, first name on the team sheet, has other qualities he brings to the team. Um, so that, that's going to be interesting going into this game, I think. Um, Tony's obviously, I think, with his COVID test, he's going to be out of the he's out of the fold for at least ten days. So I think he, I'm not sure if he absolutely misses the Manchester United match. I think he might do as well, but he's definitely not available for Watford. So we need to think of another solution because what we used against. Um, leads on the weekend where we looked really good actually we looked really good especially in the final third at times Sergi Canos is banned for this one too now for a, a fifth yellow card so we need to again we need to think of another solution and and it might be that it, it helps us look fluid again because the player coming in is a little bit more mobile um, it should be Wisser that starts this time mm. um, a bit more movement um, doesn't always want it to feet doesn't want it long. You're not automatically looking for that long, big figurehead who you try and build off. You might try and play a bit through the thirds. You might try and, try and play a bit more out wide. So there are there are pluses. And I think it, it's very easy to think, oh, Brentford don't have Tony. This should be a much easier match. It's, yeah. it's probably not as easy as that as you think. Well, well for, for what the fans that aren't aware, what give us maybe a brief kind of idea of how of how Brentford looked to play. Obviously, you've got a few unknowns. And as you say, with Canos and Tony being out, you're not sure exactly how you're going to compensate and accommodate that. But uh, in general, kind of what's been the what's been the approach from from Frank and Brentford this year? I think we've we've got the back three, which is um, a big part of our play. Like we're very much happy to spread the ball around the back three and just stabilize possession there, and then wait for opportunities to open up. Ahead, what, what's been happening a lot though is we've been getting the ball out wide to the wing backs, and they're they're kind of stuck there because it's pretty obvious where they're going, where we're going to go as a team. It's pretty obvious where they're standing, and you you end up with that that dreaded U shape where you're just <laughs> yeah you're yeah. just you're just moving the ball back across one wing to the other. And what we what we try and do, and what the principles they want is they want the midfielders to get wide and act as like a ball in field. Mm-hmm. But that's quite easy to mark in itself. So if you can't if you don't have that ball in field, you've obviously got to go back. What we're trying to and what we need to do is just trigger some movement ahead of that wing back like get the forwards to move on and try and pick the ball up there or midfielders to break forward as well and that's what you don't really get well with Tony he's not he wants to come short and just pick the ball out to feet there and build from there so we have been a little bit stifled in those positions um, but that, that's the main aim to build through the thirds like that or just skip that and go forward to Tony if he's waiting a little bit further field and try and build from there um, it, it's, it's worked to a large extent I think against teams that play Basically, against teams that are going to play through us and better than us, which is probably 50% of the league, maybe 60%. 
it's not a bad outlet to have. But I think as teams are getting smarter and they're sort of isolating Tony a little bit more, like showing, saying, right, you can pull on a fullback, play the ball to him, but we'll be around there to clean up these these drop balls and beat your players to them. So mm. we, we've needed to adapt a little bit. And we, we have seen that in the last couple of games, a little bit more better movement. But yeah, I, I'm keen for us to switch to something like a 3-4-3, three, three, I think. Just get two wide forwards around Tony instead of this just one player playing off him and then three midfielders just a little bit too deep. We, we need to get more more movement into that forward line. But um, yeah, those are Frank's main ideas, I think. Just make sure you've got three at the back, um, three midfielders, two wing backs, and then two forwards to to work with each other in tandem and try and and try and just yeah try and get us upfield. Yeah, I think it's very easy to it's very common to see that disconnect between those front two and the and the rest of the team when they when they play that that back five system and the, the midfield the midfield have to work so hard and have to be so intelligent to get into the right spaces to expose um, the opposition, especially when you're playing against top teams that are able to close that space down. And also, if the opposition is able to pin your wing backs back to large portions of the game, it becomes really hard to progress mm. the ball. And as Watford fans, we've had quite a few um, head coaches over the years in the Premier League too. We've, we've tried to utilize a back three system that's often resulted in something quite similar where we haven't really had the the, the progression to actually be dangerous mm. consistently and we end up kind of being that kind of dour attritional football um you know how, obviously how a back three or back five can either be the most expansive creative in the right hands but it's, it's very quickly can be turned into something quite quite dire and oftentimes we ended on the uh on the latter end of that i mean i could think of numerous <laughs> occasions with Eunice Kabul out with the ball on the right hand side and passing back and you know just the those sorts of uh situations not not so similar to the the successful periods we had in the championship using something similar but that's interesting to see that um It'll be interesting to see how things match up. I will go over just in terms of Watford real quick, um, uh, just in regards to how we've kind of been playing for any Brentford fans that are listening and interested in that. Um, I'll briefly cover Cisco because it's relevant. Um, the beginning of the season, we kind of continued to where we were uh, in, in the championship. We played that kind of 4-3-3, 4-3-3-1. Um, and it just wasn't effective at all. We weren't able to we weren't able to defend in space very well at all, and we were just exposed quite consistently. Um, we had a good start to the season, first game against Villa, but we got undone quite quickly after that, and things dried up going forwards. And defensively, we looked quite quite loose. Um, there was no real adjustment per opposition. It was just very generic, um, go out there and play kind of stuff, or at least that's how it came across. Uh, and, and eventually, it just it, it became quite apparent that it wasn't. It wasn't going to be successful, and honestly, these these questions actually arose um, when we were in the championship too. There was multiple occasions where we felt there wasn't enough being done to put us in a position to win games, and it was actually just our quality coming through, which kind of overpowered opposition at times, um, and allowed us to come away with the result. So now things are looking a little bit different um, with Ranieri. Well, we've seen a little bit of, a little bit of change in shape, but we're more more than likely um, going to see us continue. Um, with a kind of a four-three-three uh, into this one, um, but the, the, the fundamentals of the, the ideas, the approach are, are much, much different. Where Cisco was quite a passive, off-the-ball coach, Ranieri, we, we've kind of seen that pressing game evolve um, over his time here. Now he's it's kind of developed, and we've sorry, my cat's all over me. <laughs> um, it's kind of developed, and we've become a team that's able to to be aggressive off the ball, um, force the opposition to making uh, mistakes, and looking to almost completely change uh, the, the way we play. I think a good example of this, if you're at all interested, go back and watch the first 10 minutes of the Chelsea game and you'll see kind of what we're looking to do. Um, 
we come out the traps pretty fast. We, we've got an athletic team. Uh, we've got a team that suits this style of play. And um, offensively, we've been really strong. Obviously, we'll be missing Ismail Asar again for this one, which is a, a huge miss for us. But um, we we are able to, to kind of compensate somewhat by having these players that are able to play uh, as Ranieri wants them to do. Um, he seems to have developed that trust to them now and they are able to be a little bit more aggressive. I think early on, he was maybe kind of holding back a little bit um, and kind of getting his points across a little bit clearer before allowing the players to be as aggressive and at times reckless off the ball. Um, but now we're seeing it kind of come together a little bit and we've had some varying results, but um, we all feel quite confident in, in kind of how things have been going, the direction things have been going. Um, we just lost to City, but we were in the game um, for large portions and, and much of that was down to, to Ranieri and his, his, his substitutions have also been uh, quite positive as well, which is something that was disappointing with Cisco. So it'd be interesting to see. Um, we do have a couple of injury issues. Um, our back line is, I will say, is pretty bad right now. Um, we do have a, a large weakness there. Whilst we can be good as a unit off the ball defensively, that kind of the positive defensive work from us generally comes from the front line in midfield. Um, the back line has been very, I'd say, heavily below average. Um, it, it's been poor. Uh, we've got a few injuries there. Um, I'm sure you remember Francisco Siriata from the Championship. He's He's been out for the majority of the season for various reasons. Uh, and also Nkulu, in, in who came in as a free uh, to kind of help our centre-back situation, is also out injured now. So it's been a, a Craig cathcart truce to kong partnership. And we all know what Craig Cathcart is. He's, he's a serviceable centre-back, but Trista Kong, unfortunately, whether this is this is a level too high for him or, or just playing poorly, he's not been up to scratch the last few games and he, he's cost us some uh, some important goals, unfortunately. Um, also combine that with what was possibly one of the worst individual performances I've ever seen uh, in, in Danny Rose um, in our last outing against City. Um, we, we've looked quite threadbare at the back and it's been an issue for us. So if, if you're from a Brentford perspective, you'd be looking at that back line and thinking you're going to have opportunities and uh, especially if you are able to play a more counting, counter-attacking style, there should be chances for you. But um, it should be a good matchup because, you know, you, you kind of combine that counter-attacking team uh, or a team that's happy to sit back and play that possession along the back line with a team that's quite aggressive in, in Watford. And it should be, you'd imagine, uh, quite an end-to-end fixture. But um, it, it'll be interesting to see how things match up. I was going to say, like, um, last few games you've played, like, two of the best three teams in the country um and you haven't really embarrassed yourself i think but there is obviously this narrative of poor defending developing from um, the watford camp but ranieri i think has he surprised you from a tactical perspective coming in because i think when the appointment was made i'd have looked at him and thought i'm not really sure what he stands for anymore especially today in in football today like what he's going to bring is he is he you know what style he brings to the team basically Has, has he surprised you and are you impressed with what you've seen? Yeah, to be honest, um, I went back and watched um, a fair bit of his time at Fulham after after he kind of was linked and then once he actually was appointed. And it, he didn't really get his points across. I, well, I mean, maybe he did. Maybe he saw something different with the, the team he had at his disposal. But in terms of what we kind of like to expect from Ranieri or what he, he'd been leaning towards, I think obviously the, the mark everyone goes to is his, his time at Leicester. And that's what everyone's going to be looking at. What was he doing there? Because in your mind, the most successful period of his career is what he's going to try and replicate. But um, I'd say that he has been much better than I than I'd hoped. Um, the Fulham stuff did concern me a little bit. Um, 
but I think he got his. I think when he first came in, his first game against Liverpool, it was it was not what we expected from Ranieri. I don't think it's what he particularly wanted to do. And um, we we were quite passive off the ball. We sat quite deep. Um, we were very our, our defense was very low, very deep, and it was it was not much kind of pressure on the ball. It was just a a situation we let kind of Liverpool roll over us, and that was a, a worrying early sign. But for me, I think we've seen um, we've seen his his ideas grow into the team. We've seen how. Um, the team is starting to adapt, and there's a real. It always comes across in the football pitch very quickly. I think it's, it's it's one of the easiest things to pick up, and I think you just get a feel for it quite quickly. And that's when a team understands their roles. Even if you even if you haven't, even if it's harder to identify what those roles are, you can see the way um, the way the team operates and the way the team moves and the way the players interact with each other when they're comfortable and when they they know their job. And I think as time's gone on, we start to see that more and more. Um, and that's including with players coming off the bench too. Uh, and once that's happened, things have started to click a little bit more. And that's why after these this run of fixtures where the games, the results maybe haven't gone the way we wanted to on all occasions, um, we, we do feel like there's some positivity to take from it. Uh, so I think I've been quite impressed with Ranieri. Um, he's been a little bit more aggressive than I thought he would be um, with, with how we play off the ball. Um, but I think that comes down to... I think that comes down to how he utilises the players he has at his disposal. And that's something we've talked about at Watford for a long time. I know a lot of clubs have had the same discussion too. But having a head coach um, who comes in and, and makes the most of what he has, his assets, and looks to adapt his way of playing based on who's there, um, it's maybe particularly important to a team like Watford who change head coach so frequently because uh, obviously the, the coaches aren't having much say at all in recruitment so um, sometimes you'll be bringing in these coaches that have a certain style of playing and you know the squad's maybe a little bit of a mix and, and not something that's set particularly for their needs so we have to have people that are adaptive and you'd maybe think at this point of his career Ranieri would be a little bit more set in his ways but I think it's kind of been a, a staple of him over his career that he's able to make these little adjustments and um, I think so far it looks like he's doing a, a pretty good job of that so it's not going to be perfect um, because as I said we are taking risks but um, I, I think as time goes on those risks are becoming a little bit more educated and you can see that um, the, the timing of pressing and the timing of uh, attacks and, and counterattacks has, has gotten better so it's definitely been an upward trajectory it's just hoping that we can continue in that way and actually start to hopefully improve that defence a little bit as well. Also, similarly to Brentford, we, um, well, for probably different reasons, but we lost our goalkeeper, David Rea, pretty early on. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it feels like a long time ago now, but it's only been a few games. It feels, feels like an eternity, but we've had to bring in Fernandez. I know you guys have goalkeeping issues of a different kind. I, I, I think, I guess it's just fighting for this number one spot and then going back and forth. And what, what's the, what's the deal with the keepers there? Who do you think is going to who's playing or is it is it injury related now yeah so ben foster had an injury um there was a bit of controversy that was going i mean i'm not sure how much is this comes across to to non-watford fans but it's been a heavy heavy point of discussion in watford twitter and that's been um ben foster's kind of off the field antics and um i I think the fan base is relatively split on this but a large portion. You mean sorry, YouTube sensation, Ben? Yes, yeah, sorry, the ben cycling goalkeeper or cycling GK. I don't. Yeah, um, cycling GK. It's, cycling it's GK. <laughs> Matt's better versed in this subject than I am, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, there's some there's some there's some issues there, and there's lots of criticism of Ben. Uh, Daniel Backman was obviously very highly thought of coming out of the championship last season, but since Ranieri came in uh, and towards the end of Cisco's reign, after after Backman had an injury, Foster kind of became the number one. He was seen to be the most trusted under under Ranieri too, um, and he had some he had some mixed performances. He had a couple of bad, bad a couple of mistakes, but also you know he had also had a couple of good games as you'd expect from Ben Foster. Um, but 
with the recent injury, he had a groin injury. <laughs> there was talk that he did it during a charity match um, for Hashtag United, which obviously caused some some frustration amongst the fans. That turned out to be not completely accurate. Anyway, the, the situation we're in right now is that Daniel Beckman is most likely starting. I think Ben Foster's still out with a groin strain. Um, but it, it does seem that when fit, Foster is the preferred option. There was also some talk of Beckman as well of wanting to leave and kind of wanting to look for some first-team opportunities in January should he not be playing. Um, so the goalkeeper situation is an interesting one. I, I do think that I do think the backman is a good goalkeeper. He actually played pretty well against City. He kept us, uh, he kept us in the game a few times. He made some good saves, and he, he was, he was better. He's not the kind of the shot stop you maybe expect from Ben Foster, but he's he's someone that can be a safe pair of hands. He he, he can stop shots well, um, and he seems to still be improving, in my opinion. So, uh, the goalkeeper situation is one thing. I think it's maybe a little bit overshadowed by how poor the left back and centre back situation has been. Um, in, in the background, though, for the before we leave the goalkeepers, it's been kind of. Um... There's also this news that's broken that Watford have signed um, a £6 million goalkeeper, uh, Maduka Okoye, who has claimed that he's going to be coming in as the number one next season. So mm-hmm. it um, kind of makes the, the fight between Foster and Backman almost redundant because both of them kind of maybe know that uh, next season they're, they're probably not going to be the number one at Watford. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's the thing with Ben Foster. Obviously, his age, you're not, you're not planning, you can't kind of hitch a wagon to him too much because he is 38 or 39 he's you know he's not going to be around forever uh, and with Backman too I think last season was a, he, he was definitely good enough for the last season for us um, and it, it was it was an opportunity to for us to kind of do our due diligence on him and see um, what we kind of thought about him as a long-term option or not but we, we've also we, we've been quite consistent in accumulating goalkeepers um, over the last few years and loaning them out Pontus Dolberg's at, at Doncaster right now, and he's kind of been he's been looking quite promising. We have options there, and I think obviously bringing the new guy there, um, it looks like we are kind of in that transitional phase of goalkeeping right now. Um, I think we would have liked to have think of thought that Backman would just be the one we could stick with, but uh, we had to find a way to kind of move on from Gomez um, when, when he left, and, and kind of Foster was that guy at least in the short term. I think we'd like to have a clearer idea of where we are now, um, but currently that's kind of where we're at. It could be either, but I think it's going to be um, Backman based on um, based on injury concerns for Foster again. Yeah, just thinking about protecting the protecting the goalkeeper a little bit more. Are you? Are you a little surprised you haven't come into this league with like a, a three five two or or something a bit more similar yeah. to that? And has would that have suited I know Sars out injured, I believe he got injured against Man United and it's quite serious. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. We don't have the centre backs to play a three five two. That's the issue. Yeah, that's what I was gonna get. Is it is it just numbers? Would you yeah. do you think you would go that route, but it's actually bodies? I think it's a it's a mixture. It's numbers, it's also quality too. Um I think we we don't possess the I think a we I think the majority of our centre backs suit playing in the back four. I don't like any of them currently in space. Um, I, I think if you had any of those in the outside centre back position, would be exposed quite heavily. So that's that's a weakness for one. Um, and then also you kind of add to that the overall quality of our centre backs, even as that more kind of traditional centre back is still I'd say below average. I think it's just too much of a weak point to to add that focus to. Um, I, I'm not sure it'd help our defensive situation. I think it's a, also too, yeah, the numbers is another issue. It's a position group that we've struggled to invest in. Um, I think with the, since the Potsers came in, we've we've definitely kind of had some bigger, some bigger spending, but it's predominantly in the forward midfield areas. I think defence is just so, so much easier to, to bring in the kind of the more 
budget friendly kind of veteran style players that we've able to, we've been looking to kind of find the value there and that allow us the freedom to spend a little more in, for, in forward areas and um, that has punished us at times I think that's been the main criticism getting promoted to the, to the Premier League with the centre-backs we had and, and not really making any changes and Cooley was a panic situation where we were able to bring him in and we were quite lucky actually because I know he's injured now but he's a player of some quality uh, and we were quite fortunate to find him because we did have these um, these concerns at centre-back going into the season we took a gamble uh, and the gamble kind of failed or we lost that, that gamble pretty early on when we had some injuries start to pile up and we had to make that decision. So I think for all Watford fans, we'd like to see that centre-back invested in as a somewhat of a priority. I don't expect it to happen in January because we have, well, we, we just don't operate in the market like that. It's going to be a short-term option if it happened. Um, but in terms of playing that back three, I just think we're not quite good enough to do so. Um I think, honestly, I'm quite pleased to to see us try and compensate and protect that goalkeeper by defending a little bit more in forward areas and trying to use that front line. Because for me, the best defensive part of our team is our front line. Um, Emmanuel Dennis is an absolute machine when it comes to pressing off the ball. It, he's, it's insane how much he's able to get around the pitch and, and kind of close down space and force the opposition into playing the ball into areas they don't particularly want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and also when fit, you combine that with Ismail Assar and, and Josh King, who's also um, been very good at that. And I think you've got a really good front three there. And I think that just becomes a defensive foundation of your team. The centre-backs at this point are really just there to try and kind of play a little bit higher and try and mop up when they have to. But ultimately, we don't want them playing too deep. Um, we don't want them playing kind of in space. And we'll try and contain things and kind of, maybe be a little bit more assertive and, and force the other team into kind of playing a certain way rather than relying on our defensive structure because quite simply there's not enough structure for us. But um, yeah, also too, I was going to ask you, David, um, in, terms of, in terms of injury concerns, how, so obviously we know Tony is a, is a big blow for you. How, how big of a blow is the suspe- um, suspension of Canos? Is that going to change the way you play significantly or do you have kind of ready-made replacements there? Yeah, it's a good question, actually. I, I think against Leeds, he came inside a little bit and had a bit more of a, a free role just to, just to try and affect the game centrally. Um, he's been rooted to the wings and, and been doing a lot of extra defensive work, trying to cover the as the wing-back position, like tucking in as that part of the five and then getting forward as well. So there is an element of feeling like a lot of his energy is wasted and then seeing him come inside against Leeds, we looked, we looked lively, we looked dangerous, good high turnovers and winning the ball so he he is going to be a loss but there's a player that we have waiting that we're just desperate to get I, th- I think he's a big part of our season going forward his name's Johan Wisser mm-hmm. uh, we signed him from Lorient um, really like just a really classy wide forward he just can play anywhere across the front three or four positions um, tricky on the ball can go past people um, good turn of pace really good ball striking um, good vision like he, he's just an all round decent attacker and I think he could be the difference in us looking at a couple of sort of blank score lines mm. versus a couple of goals Um Saw a little glimpse of his quality against Leeds in transition. Um, and Bremo and Tony aren't going to be enough for us this season. I think if, we, if we're if we stuck with them playing, I think we might just come up a bit short. Um, we need a little bit more quality around them and then just to give them a break as well. Like These games are quite intense. So, so Wiss is really the guy that we're looking to bring into the team and hopefully get his first... I think this will be his first start against Watford if he does come into the starting lineup. Um, a player you probably remember from last season, Marcus Force. Mm. Um We've kept him. We've kept him close and let him come up into the Premier League, which is probably a big error. I think even last year, I could see that his future definitely doesn't rely lie at like sort of elite football at Brentford, especially maybe somewhere else on the continent. But they've kept him close, probably with a view as like rewarding some of his good work and um, and uh, yeah, how how much he's sort of 
committed himself to Brentford and but he's he's not good enough to support Tony and come in and play a lone role or or really link up and, and make himself a danger in the Premier League. So we're kind of carrying a player there that isn't really going to do much. Um, but yeah, the forward line, Wiss is the one that we we need to come in. Stepping back a little bit in midfield, we've, um, we just have a lot of players coming back from injury, like Baptiste is just coming back from a long spell out. Um, Frank Onyeka is a big signing from Midtjylland. He's he's kind of looked like he's about to get going, then something happens, he's out of the team for a little bit. I think coming from Denmark into England is, is a. I mean, he's got Champions League experience, but that, that intensity of the matches here compared to what he'd have been playing week in, week out in Denmark, plus the odd Champions League match, I, I think he's adjusting physically as well. Mm. Um, and Janelt had a bit of a spell out as well. Uh, is is Salmon Godos, is, is, he, is, he, is he out at the minute? No, no, he's um he's fit. He's able to play. I think he's just slightly down the pecking order. I, th- I think if you look at some of the other midfield we have, there's, there's a little bit more power there. There's a little bit more athleticism and and movement. Godos is a really clever player in terms of the spaces he picks up and and yeah, getting forward and connecting with the forward line. But physically, getting up and down the pitch, getting back into our our three five two shape, and then attacking. He, he's a little bit laboured compared to some of the others. Like the others are athletes, and you can see the slight difference in physicality when he plays. So he's got to he's got to really work hard to get into his te- into this team. And there are matches where he he looked quite good, I think, especially against teams who sit a bit deeper. But I think in a match, for instance, against Leeds, it, it wasn't the one for him. And I think they got the team selection selection right there but who knows he might play against you guys a little bit more um well yeah it's interesting that's probably led on quite well i know you're asking me some more injuries we we have um ask me about injuries we do have zanka out injured as well and aya is a, another big loss for the defense but let's i think move on to the midfield a little bit because i think that's quite an interesting matchup like we're quite a young a young team looking to yeah looking to move up in in the football world compared to you guys um sissoko cleverly uh, Kuchka, these guys have been around the block. Um, how do you think? How do you think the matchup's going to going to look there? Do you think you guys can cope with our <laughs> with us, or or where do you think it's going to go? Yeah, so our midfield, um, the, yeah, the midfield that matchup should be pretty interesting in terms of our midfield. We've kind of had a well, it's been a it's been a strange kind of transition, really. We we definitely started the season with an accumulating some industrial kind of hard working. Uh, good off the ball, not the most progressive through midfield centre midfielders. Um, but as time's gone on, we've kind of a little, had a little bit of adaptation, kind of forced into it actually in some ways. Kind of maybe you could even argue similar to the Tony situation where uh, Imran Loser, who was one of our big signings in the summer, he was brought in uh, to to play in in, in central midfield, and he, he never really kind of got into the team. He had a couple of opportunities early on, um, but wasn't really fancied. And uh, kind of through circumstance and injuries, now he's been brought into the team, which has kind of been quite promising. I think we've a lot of fans that have watched him play and kind of looked into him a little bit of like what they've seen and he's he's a good midfielder he's done well for Morocco too and he's played over this time for his for his country and he's, he's done well in those games uh, he's, a, he's a mobile small athletic pressing midfielder but he's also got some quality on the ball uh, he can deliver the ball but he can play in some different spaces and he's, he's definitely much more positive in possession than the others um, so having him, him in the team has been a, a real bonus for us um, I think he's, he fits Ranieri perfectly. And he, he actually played quite deep against City. He was our deepest midfielder for large large portions of the game. And part of that is his, his use of the ball when he gets possession. He's someone that can kind of spur on attacks. But also, um, he is quite busy off the ball too. And that's been that's been a real plus. Um, alongside him, um, Musa Sissoko has been actually fantastic. He's really grown into uh, grown into this season. Um, the last couple of games, he's been excellent at kind of winning the ball back and carrying that ball forwards. It's something we've not really had since Decore left. Um, but it's someone that's able to carry that ball and, and just transition that play and, and be that powerful runner. 
Um, he, he's not the kind of most clinical when you get through on goal, but he's someone that's able to carry that ball forward and help, um, especially for a team that's looking to counterattack as we do quite often um, and press again and win that ball back in some dangerous areas. He's been he's been great. And then Tom Cleverley, he's a known quantity really. If you if you want to play that style of football, then you know you could do much worse than Tom Cleverley. He's going to give you that every single time. You might be wanting in some other areas, but um, he, he's been really good. And as as Ranieri's kind of got a little bit more comfortable in, in allowing our team to play in a certain way, I think Cleverley's been more and more important to that. Um, so we've also got some other options too. Um, Tufan on the bench, he's he's someone that's a, a little bit more creative, someone that's a bit more of a ball player, but doesn't necessarily fit what we're trying to do um, right now in terms of that energy off the ball. So it should be quite interesting. We don't allow too much space, don't allow too much time. Um, and quite honestly, I'd imagine our focus will be trying to trying to cut off that space as much as possible and hopefully kind of force you into playing across that back line as much as we can. I guess you guys have got a lot to prove and you're probably coming into this slightly better form, having not like disgraced yourself against like the Man City, Chelsea and putting in quite good performances. Um, Dennis is going to be quite interesting out on the wing, I think. Have you watched much of him? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I'm really impressed, actually. I'm really impressed against Chelsea. I thought you were really unlucky against Chelsea. Um, they were not at their best. You guys created some good chances. Um, he was really lively coming out on that right side. It's quite interesting to see a right side, a right footer play out on that right wing and just him give you good width out there. I think mm-hmm. with Brentford's team, this three five two, we can we can look a little bit... The, the wings can be a bit exposed. I think if he gets beyond the wing back and on the other side of Henry and then gets up against Pinnock a little bit more, dragging Pinnock out wide, there could be some joy for you there. But mm. King as well, I, I think the two of them just link up well. I think that's probably what we've been lacking where where we have Tony and Mbemo as the forward line. I think with King and Dennis and Dennis coming in off the wing, you've got players that A, can come to feet, but also can spin in behind as well. And it's just, it looks quite good. And Jao Pedro from the left too is, is a different option as well. Cause he's quite able to, I mean, he played centrally flash the, the majority of last season. So he's someone that's quite happy at kind of isolating players in one-on-one kind of wide areas, but also he's more than comfortable in central positions too. And quite a physical player at times as well. Um, which is quite an interesting combination. I think actually in terms of Josh King, um, we were discussing this in the in the previous episode we, we recorded um, regarding the, the City game. We were talking about Josh King and I think he's he's a real a real asset to us. And in my opinion, he's almost the kind of the ideal front man for a team such as kind of Watford or even around the level that Brentford are at the moment too, where there's someone that just offers so much um, aside from goal scoring. He's not in there to just be scoring goals. He can have goal threat from other positions. And he's someone that can, he can really hold the ball up much better than I actually was aware that he could do. Um, but in terms of getting into wide areas, closing down space, but also uh, taking advantage of some, some kind of, Little little areas of space that are maybe maybe a little bit exposed um, in the opposition. He's, he's smart at finding those gaps. Um, he's a good outlet, and that's something that's really benefited us, especially when you're looking to build a counterattack and you need someone to kind of give you that second on the ball. He's someone that's done an excellent job for that. And I do wonder if that's something that Brentford really really benefit from is someone similar in the sense that it gives you that time to kind of get yourselves upfield and get your get your wall back uh, your fullbacks and wingbacks sorry up into those more advanced positions, and that might help that kind of breakdown in play. Which which is definitely something which I was hoping we'd address and we did a quite quite a good job in. Um, is that a position that you talk about force there too? And is, is that a position mm-hmm. that you kind of hoped that would be addressed uh, coming into the season? Regardless if you're playing that three at the back, it's almost kind of necessary for us, the teams around our level. Is that something you kind of hoped or not? During the summer, we did our pre-season, look around the country and look around the leagues and think about sort of midfielders, defenders, attackers, who we'd like to bring in and where we were missing. And it was clear that Behind Tony, we didn't have much up front. We were looking really light. And Jake, who's B's Analytica, quite a shrewd scout himself now, 
he works for an EFL club. I, I think it's probably common. I won't say who he works for, but we were looking through players and just looking at talent and, and Josh King kept popping up and he, he put him forward to me. He was like, do you think Brentford should be going for Josh King? And I was, I laughed at him and I said, <laughs> maybe we can do better than that. Should we? And how much he'd cost versus how much we bring him in. But you look at his performances and what he's done so far and sometimes led the line on his own. Um, he's looked a really good outlet. And I think actually it would have been a bit of a, I think if we had, I mean, the problem is we'd have is how would you, how would you dovetail the two? How would you have Tony in your ranks and someone like Josh King as well? One of them needs to play a lot and it would be difficult to get them into the same team. But I think he was really, it was a really good partnership though, wouldn't they? And that three, five, two. Possibly, possibly. Yeah. I mean, I think so. I'm not sure. I think, I don't know how much they would be. I, I'm not sold on that. I don't know. They they could be. I'd have to see it. And uh, I, th- I think there are qualities where you think they blend well together. But um, how, how did sure Everton how... play last year? And, and and why was King not effective there? Was, was it because they were playing in a in a two? I think it's also the pecking order was an issue too, wasn't it? Yeah, and also when when Josh King was signed for Everton, he was signed as as somewhat of a backup, kind of based on the fact that he was available and they thought it was decent value and they thought it was someone to contribute. It was more opportunity. I'd say the. I mean, obviously, we know Everton's Everton's recruitment is questionable at best, and I think it's more of um, quality available than fit. So I think when they actually did have him in the squad, when it came to having a t- chance to utilize him, he wasn't someone that necessarily fit the team. He was just someone that's a a pretty decent footballer who was available to them. So I think it was more about um, kind of blending him into the team and actually getting the most out of him where it was, wasn't a, it wasn't really an environment for him to succeed. Um, and it just, it panned out exactly how I think a lot of people would have feared. But it, I think kind of bringing him into Watford does show that obviously he still has quality, he's still a good player. Um, but playing him in a team which suits him um, I, I obviously is going to get the most out of him. I think he's really doing that right now. I, I honestly wasn't aware that he was as good at leading the line on his own as he is. Um, that was a kind of misjudgment on my on my behalf there. But um, I, I think right now where he is, he's playing some really good football. And there was a lot of talk about his goal drought. Obviously, he ended that against Everton, which was satisfying. But um, it, it's not really the primary concern for me. I think it's just so much what he offers elsewhere, especially when we have goal threat from the likes of Dennis and Pedro and Saar when he's a fit or, or Chucha Hernandez too. We have options to be creative in other areas to score goals from. So having someone that's able to contribute like that, it's something we had from Troy Deeney for so long and it's it's much more of a modern version. Um, it, it's obviously a different way that he plays, but he is someone that can be a focal point and can be an outlet, but in a in a more uh, a more modern way, I'd say, and something that suits the kind of the way we look to play right now a little bit more. I've got to shoot now, guys, but um, carry on. And uh, thank you for uh, allowing Good to chat yeah, well, to you. Thanks, yeah, yeah, thanks for joining us, Matt. Sorry, unfortunately, you have to go. Um, but we will continue to ramble on and Matt will be sorely missed. But you'll be hearing back from him in no time with the uh, the kind of breakdown of the game as it unfolds on Friday. So thanks for joining us, Matt. Pleasure as always. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, cheers, Matt. Give me, give me justice. <laughs> we will. We'll honour you. <laughs> We'll try. We'll try. Um, that's a good point. Uh, what I was just thinking about now was rounding off a couple of our previous games and um, and how this might relate to that. I, I think you're a little bit of a different team, and I, I think we are in some respects as well. I think we've both both teams have improved and and rounded off a couple of like harsh edges, which which needed work on. Mm. But if you think about the games, so the last game we played was that. Um, I think it, it was 2-0 wasn't it it was the, the season was done like you were already promoted mm-hmm. I think we were trudging along to the playoffs and we won 2-0 the, the game prior was um, Ethan Pinnock was sent off and we actually 
with 10 men got a 1-1 draw against you guys. Mm-hmm. I, I think you're a bit of a different beast now, aren't you? I think you, you move the ball better. I think you've got more power in midfield. I think you've got more variety across the whole team instead of that that team that sat in that mid to low block and looked to counter through. Yeah. Maybe Sarah Pedro. We're a very different side. Yeah. Um, I, I think the thing, this is, this is the difficulty with assessing Watford and especially opposition too, because we're changing the way we approach things so quickly, so often. Um, you'll recognise some of the personnel, but in terms of the playing style, it's it's, it's polar opposite, honestly. Um, I think you can take some kind of some things away from the individual matchups, um, but in terms of a unit as a collective, I think it, it's a very different outfit. Cisco was very um, he was very one dimensional. He was very kind of one note, and I think that that low block and and effectively we just bullied teams with quality um, for, for large portions, and we used the likes of Sar and you know Pedro to try and overpower teams without kind of finding a more nuanced or little bit more sophisticated way of breaking teams down we just kind of threw our good players at you obviously that's not enough now um so I think you're going to see something a little bit different there but um I mean I guess that also goes for Brentford too you've also had to change your your way of playing as well maybe we saw a little hint of it um when you did play against the top teams such as us and Norwich you kind of saw a little bit more of that uh, not conservative but a little bit more of a pro- pragmatic approach from Brentford I'm guessing you're kind of having to kind of see that a little bit more regularly now and it could be something that's you, you're kind of growing into and finding ways to be a little bit more effective in that manner that's my assessment anyway but is is that the case you think do you feel like you're is that how you've adapted to the league have you just started to you started to kind of get a little bit more comfortable in not being the dominant team and trying to find ways to be productive from that yeah yeah I think we've been building for that for um a good season or so I, I think just leaning on your shape a little bit more, just being more comfortable and like confident that you're not going to concede when you're just sat out to the ball and quite deep mm-hmm. and you're just saying, right, teams cross, you can put it in from wide. We're happy defending our box like that. Um, you're not going to get through the middle because we're trying to get those three midfielders narrow and block that off. Um, do you still have the change of gear have. in you? We we do. I think we've shown it in it points this season. I think Chelsea was a really impressive display. Mm-hmm. Um they kept us out. I mean, how we didn't score in that, I don't know. But that was that was us just unleashing unleashing everything we had at Chelsea. And um, we probably should have got a goal in that match. But yeah, we do. I think as the season's gone on, we've looked less and less like we have another gear in us. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. what I've been saying about Tony. But um, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. A lot of our a lot of our game is being defensively solid and just being able to build and hold possession deep, and then moving from there and seeing where we can seeing where it can take us and mm. as we've as we've gone on this season I think our forward play has looked a little bit laboured and teams are starting to suss us out a little bit and we need a bit more <clears throat> we need a bit more focus on how we're attacking and I think with Tony out of the side we might see <clears throat> some of the other players come to the fore a little bit but but yeah you, you're right though I think um, us being an underdog in matches is definitely where we've been aiming for for years because it's just known isn't it you're not going to come into the Premier League and do a Leeds and just be like this good attacking team and outscore teams. It's you don't it's want to be like Norwich. <laughs> no, no, definitely not a Leeds or a Norwich. Just you don't want to be a Norwich, and you're not probably going to become a Leeds. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's a tough balance to find, and I think that's that's one of the. Um, I think that's something that's often under discussed when it comes to the way that that our owners kind of run things and the way they kind of move their coaches around. There is sometimes a 
kind of a there is some sense to it like changing things depending on the situation you're in it's a much different task getting promoted to staying in the division it's it's a much different task and you haven't got much turnaround to suddenly shift the entire mentality of a, of a club um but it has to be done in some way so it's interesting to see how different teams approach it i think the good thing with brentford is i think you've done a good job of um of having staff and personnel which are quite quite open-minded and quite able to adapt and, and play in different ways and, and kind of change and alter things it, it seems quite a smart setup from top to bottom not just how the clubs run but also the types of players you bring in too um, which also helps that transition um, but yeah we kind of gone for two different options there so it's a real kind of contrast in styles uh, in terms of the way clubs are run but also in terms of the, the way the two teams will be playing which should be should be quite interesting yeah so following on from that a little bit um, just talking about us being a better underdog and um being better out of possession and just making sure we're solid and trying not to concede, not concede simple goals. Basically, they've got to be good goals you're conceding. What that does as well is you're obviously having a lot less of the ball. And then um, when you do have the ball, I think there's just this increased pressure on you being basically good or quality or being or using that ball well. And I think that's where we've come unstuck a little bit this season. I think quality in transition and and maybe just some of the technical flaws of our players at key moments, those get exposed a bit more because you might not have the ball for five minutes and then you have got this big counter attack and, and break away. And similarly with last year, and we, we've seen what type of a player Mbomo is. He he works really hard, gets into good positions, but technically inaccuracy and those kinds of things let him down a little bit. And that that's what's a little bit frustrating with this season. I think we're doing the defensive side okay. We have a, We've had a little bit of a blip, but those counter-attacking moments, you need to be making the most of those. And I think at the top end of this league, and maybe even in the middle as well, when teams are breaking away, like 2v1, 3v2, they're getting these options and, and positions. We we look a little bit lacking in those areas. Like like some of our players look, they look a little bit slow and that defenders are able to give them a few yards and get round them and still make a challenge when they should be well out of the game and not been let in. So mm. that's a little bit of frustration with the style we're adopting. And, and it is a little bit of a quality issue. I mean, we... we we are under-resourced compared to other teams. Mm. but um, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's something we've definitely experienced for, for sure. Um, I, I think the difference, I think that's why, honestly, it's, it's been very satisfying for me or, or kind of relieving to, to see us play in the way we do. I think that's the nice thing about playing that kind of high press off the ball style where you, you kind of force the opposition into giving you opportunities um, and kind of get yourself a little bit of a foot in the door when it comes to making those chances and not having to rely on your own quality to carve it out through possession. Um, because it can be difficult to do, especially with some of the some of the players we have at our disposal. We, especially as we kind of touched on earlier, that midfield in general is definitely more of a more of a kind of industrial working, I'd say, positive off the ball midfield unit. Um, they're not going to be the sort of players that are going to sit deep and, and kind of spur on attacks and be incisive with possession, but they are capable of forcing play deep and then hopefully with that front line getting some turnovers. That's a different way of adapting to it because over the years we definitely have struggled with um, with having players that are able to consistently um, play the ball forward and the, the chains and the patterns of play that you start to adapt in the in, in the championship it's hard to replicate. Um, obviously, the quality is different and it just requires so much more, uh, so much more kind of 
preciseness and pace to the passing and it's just difficult to replicate so I think you do have to find ways to adapt and that's something that comes with time but again um, you have to be somewhat open-minded to changing things I think that kind of goes back to what you're talking about Tony, to, with Tony um, him being out possibly just gives you a different avenue a different idea of how to how to get towards goal and it might be something that serves you quite well going on for the rest of the season even when Tony rec- recovers and, and comes back into the team perhaps it at least opens some different doors for you yeah yeah we'll watch it I, I mean it's a good experiment that we're going to see like I mean every Everyone's everyone's thinking like, how does this team move on from from missing from missing Tony for a period? But it might just be okay. Um, I just fall back on the Leeds game a little bit as well because I was just looking as I was watching the match back and um, chatting to the All Stats Army guys. We, we were talking about how big a loss Tony was, and I was saying that I mean, it's obviously may have been coming and um, it could have been great but in terms of attacking play we scored two goals up at Leeds and and I think if Tony was on the pitch I'm not sure we'd have got those goals but then conversely in defence we conceded two and one of them was from a corner late on where Tony is such a pivotal player for us with that like blocking near post position so you're looking at it and thinking would we have scored two probably not but would we have conceded two probably not so when he's on the pitch I I think just his general play makes the game a tighter game like because of Mm -hmm. how good he works off the ball sorry do you find him do you find him being that um that easy out ball a little too often he's kind of a he's kind of a safety safety net for your defenders or midfielders at times where it's just uh I mean we had that massively with Dini it was very unproductive but that kind of situation where it's okay we're under pressure here we could take a risk in retaining possession but the the safe thing Mm -hmm. is to do is to try and find Tony and Tony's obviously good at bringing that ball and taking it into control even if it's defeat too there's ways to find Tony it's not just kind of hoofing up to his head like we did with Troy so often but do you find that it kind of somewhat breaks down or or maybe cuts out other avenues of getting forward or perhaps a more patient manner of getting forward or more incisive just by simply going to Tony because it's an easier option yeah absolutely you couldn't be more spot on I think um, against Leeds uh, I think we played our third lowest number of long balls um uh, this season, which is, you know, I think that's quite significant in like just determining like style and and how quick you're exactly what you're saying, like how quickly you're going from defence to attack. Um, I think um, I think it forces you into thinking differently. I think there some of the rotations of players we saw against Leeds were really impressive, and I think the general consensus was that was one of our best performances since yeah since like some of the early games where we were looking quite good because we had that unknown quantity that that unknown factor so so yeah I mean there's pros and cons to it as well I think there's a couple of situations where we'd have liked Tony to be in the box with some of the balls we put in but then would our build-up play have got to that stage and we'd have got that ball into the box anyway maybe not Um, another situation is there was a couple of times when we gave the ball away when we were breaking away and looked in a really good position Tony may have dropped deep and we wouldn't we'd have had another runner spinning behind whereas in this instance we had two runners try and spin in behind and no one coming deep and we end up giving the ball away and getting counter-attacked and, and then we can see the goal. Mm. So there's there's pros and cons to it. It's really hard to think exactly how you perform with and without a player. But I think it's it's just those key moments, isn't it? Like how high are those key moments? How good are they? As in like what you're doing when you're going forward, like how pivotal are they? And then defensively, what are you losing when he's not on the pitch? And we probably looked a little weaker without him in the team defensively. But those high moments of the play we were able to generate on the edge of Leeds' box, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if we could have got those if he was on the pitch. So it's, it's really difficult. Yeah, well, I think also too watching the watching the game against Leeds in particular, I think the way that um, the way that Canos was able to kind of operate as a, a much different style of forward. He was playing a little bit deeper. He's kind of making some different runs. It's just a very very different style, and I think it does open some some options for you. And it's it's tough because you say you want to have that that quality in your team. You, you don't want to take Tony out of there, but there is also the 
the element of um, variety. And, and when we talk about passing lanes going forward, it is so difficult to progress the ball from that back three if you're not, um, if you're not, you know, super assertive and able to control games from the, the level of quality and possession, which you were able to perhaps in the championship, you do have to find um, find ways to get forward. And so often that comes from movement. And if you can overload those spaces, um, if you can almost play somewhat of a, I mean, I wouldn't say necessarily Carlos is playing a false nine, but if you can kind of replicate some of that positional play, um, then you suddenly become a much more dangerous outfit, especially when you are mobile. Um, you, can, you can compensate for getting out of position and dropping deeper if you do have the the mobility to get forwards too. And not that Tony is immobile, but he, he's not going to be someone that's going to be playing in spaces that the likes of Canlos will do, or even in Bremo too. Um, so when you have two of those forwards, it does give you a different option, even if they're not perhaps the the threat in the box uh, and perhaps the kind of level of finisher that Tony is. Sometimes uh, in, in, the, in the Premier League, in, in kind of my experience of watching a, a team around this level, um, it's more about the, the number of chances you can create because the, the reality of the situation is you're going to be playing against good goalkeepers, good defenders, good midfielders that are going to stop chances. You need to find a way to create quantity because relying on low low numbers of opportunities and kind of finding those low probability efforts on goal, um, it, it's difficult to it's difficult to be productive consistently. And I don't think if you're if you're operating at that level, that bottom half of the table, clearly you don't have the quality of those around you. So you have to kind of maximize those attempts on goal and find ways to get shots on goal because you can't rely, or we couldn't certainly for a long time, on scoring those two or three chances we had a game. Um, so I think if you have if you've got those players that can kind of provide you something a little bit different, even if it's from the bench at times too, it is definitely a, a real positive. And uh, again, that Leeds game, I thought we saw quite a lot of that for you. Yeah, I think we did. And I, I think that's the way I've wanted us to go. It's, it's really interesting how you talk about that because I, I think that the overall strategy would have been the, the opposite. I think they, what it looked like we're trying to do is have a really low number of chances, but make sure they're of a really high quality. So when you do have the ball, make sure it gets forward really quickly, sometimes too urgently, um, just in sort of counter. Whenever you win the ball, basically, don't take too long to get the ball forward. And then because Tony and Bremo aren't of this, they aren't of top, top quality, like the the, the high quality you might see in some other teams, um, it looks a little bit rushed. And I think they got away with it in the early stages of the season just because of that that unknown factor. But now trying to get the ball as early as forward early as we do, it looks... It's just it looks a little bit hopeful, and I think teams are sort of watching for it and, uh, and able to clean up. So what you're saying is probably how I view it. Like maybe we do need to be able to create more chances and then ask more questions more often, rather yeah. than like those one or two really high quality chances which you're hoping you can convert. And and as you're saying, like that that's a risky strategy in itself because a you're hoping that you haven't conceded two or three to begin with but also it's a huge responsibility that, that's what I was trying to get at with just these limited number of possessions you have in this league now because you're obviously playing against better opposition what what are you doing when you have the ball are, mm. are you rushing are you finding players in good space is it are, are you trying to make too much of these possessions when really it's it's not going to see you through because ultimately the quality you have isn't exactly where you want it or need it to be to, to punish some of these moments. So No, there's a balance to be had for sure. I think I personally, my my own personal opinion on this is I think you have to adopt a level of chaos in, into your forward line to, to be productive. I think it's very hard to, it's very hard to be considered and incisive in, in some of these moments because you just don't have the quality to do so. And you put, you put pressure on and talking about things, this is obviously an intangible that's hard to, hard to, to gauge, mm. but I do think you put, you, you accumulate pressure on your forwards to execute. And I don't think it's, it's something that 
can last um, throughout the course of the season. You have these kind of hot spells, but I think it's a it's a very risky strategy. Um, I think the risk of asking your, your forwards to finish a limited number of chances is bigger than the risk that you take by throwing numbers forwards at times and, and, and getting hit and punished for doing so personally. Um, maybe that's more... Maybe that opinion is more based on on what I've seen from Watford in terms of how our squad build-up is. Perhaps it's a little bit unfair than maybe teams that could do it a little bit better than us, and Brentford might be an example of that. But um, I do just believe my own kind of philosophies on these things is that you need to have a level of aggression and try and assert yourselves on games when you can because um, being passive, and not that Brentford have been passive. I'd say it's more co- more considered than passive, but um, I do think it puts you in a position where it's, it's difficult because you need to have these chances on goal. And I think... Obviously, your last game against Leeds, you had you had a decent number of shots during that game, kind of double what you had almost against Tottenham. Obviously, you'd expect that um, being against Tottenham, but just getting those numbers forwards and allowing those shots on goal, you, you have to try and find these these opportunities to actually take these chances because it, it's a tough league to to come back from if you do miss one of those big ones and it's a fine margin. The match against Leeds, we we looked lively up front. I mean, Leeds aren't Spurs. Like we, they defend in a completely different way. Leeds go for a man-marking system and, course, and Leeds yeah. lost um, Calvin Phillips at quite a pivotal time when and the, the game definitely turned when he went off and you could see that we were able to to basically get possession where we weren't before and then get on the edge of their box and, and, and flick balls through that, that weren't able to even be thought of before. So... Yeah, it's mm. it's almost like you you've got to look at who you're playing as well. That that comes into it, and maybe there was always this thought that against Leeds that we would be a bit more ambitious because they're a weaker side defensively than a Spurs say. Because I definitely mm. got that feeling. Like uh, maybe maybe not giving enough credit to how much they're going into games. Because against Spurs, we felt a little bit more conservative. Um, we went longer more often. Um, Obviously, we're worried about them on the counter attack. They've got like two of the fastest players in the in the division. But um, yeah, it, it's definitely going to be an interesting matchup with us. Um, as we as we start to round up, then because we're on this sort of hour mark, aren't we? What where do you think this is going to be won and lost, Jordan? What do you what do you think it's going to come down to? I think a lot of it will come down to. I think it'll be your use of the ball across the back line. Um, I think it'll be about how you find that space in midfield, how you can get that ball forwards. Um, I, I think for us, we're going to be. We don't like to keep possession at the back. We don't like to overplay things. I think we like to try and be uh, quite quite forward thinking with the ball in the sense we like to get it forward quite early. Um, we're not looking to retain a lot of possession. I know obviously Brentford not looking to retain as much as they have done previously either. But I just think the way you're set up is going to naturally lend it to you um, to have more of that possession. So I think the game is won and lost on how you deal with that front line of ours pressing you on the ball. Um, if you're able to control possession, play into midfield, and your midfielders are able to find space and look for avenues forward, you're going to have opportunities to attack us. You've got that movement up front. Um, I think this is a good game for you to be without Tony in the sense of that extra movement, that extra mobility up front, I think will hurt us because that is somewhere we struggle. Um, and also not just up front, sorry, not through the centre, but also from our, our left back position too. So I think it's a good opportunity there. But you have to make it. You have to get the ball to your forwards. And I think it has to be um, pulling our midfielders around. And it's a tough job to do. Um, but I, I think you're. I think both teams are quite evenly matched, just in a very different manner. Um, I think it should be a good a good style of play. It should be a good game. Um, and I'm hoping that it will be somewhat close. But obviously, I'm hoping Watford will come out on top. But um, I am fearful of um, of Brentford being able to cut through our lines. And if you do so, that's that's a game one for you. How about yourself? What, what do you, where do you feel this? Where's the where's the kind of real turning point of this fixture for you? 
I think it's probably uh, without Tony. I think it could come down to our attacking set pieces as well, um, mm-hmm. and obviously defensive as well. Um, yeah, go go over that leads that leads defensive because the last the last minute winner there. How how are you feeling about or equaliser? Sorry, how are you feeling about that from from about? It wasn't last minute, was it? It was the end of the first half. But how how did you feel? No, no, about it was that? yeah, yeah. Was you it, were last right. it was the last minute of the okay, second. It was yeah, the last yeah, it was like minute. the ninety fifth minute. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, yeah, it was a brutal brutal ending to the game. I think um, that's that's why I was talking about how much Tony was missed, but. That first blocker on the on the near post, um, just that zonal position that Tony picks up, that's where he sits for us. So anything coming in near, he challenges for. He's got that height. He's got that commitment, concentration late in the game. Um, instead of him being there, we had Christopher Norgard there. And then behind him, Rico Henry is one of the actual blockers, like one of our smallest players, just to yeah. try and disrupt a big person coming. And and I, I think what you saw and what you probably lose with Tony is that that concentration, that that aptitude right into the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, the ball was flicked on and Bamford picks up the second contact and it's just in. It, I don't think we concede that goal if Tony's on the pitch. Or if we do, it's going to be a lot. It goes in a lot. It, it takes more, basically, to go in than it did. And <clears throat> that that's where I'm thinking... We could be we could look a little bit weaker here. Um, Zonal marking is also a horrible thing to see when the goalkeeper comes up because it instantly breaks. It's it it, it just like, just looking <laughs> back at the goal now. It's just it's, it's it's terrible. There's nothing worse than when you see a zonal marking set piece and you watch you watch that second of kind of the first touch on the ball and you just see a flat a flat line of yellow <laughs> shirts and then you know that staggered white shirts in between the spaces and it's just mm. it, it's it's really unfortunate. But as you say that that near post and the. Enrico Henry is not able to kind of be effective in that block. He's on his ass by the time the no, ball gets no. back in there, and it's yeah, it's 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 frustrating. I mean, look again, we've been very susceptible to set pieces for a long time too, and I definitely sympathise with that. Um, oh god, I was just going to say, I don't think Leeds are an exceptional set piece team. I mean, no. I think they're just okay, and that's what's frustrating as well. But I think if you watch it carefully, the more angles I've seen it, and you can see um, Norgard is just inches from getting his head on that first clip and or just putting in a challenge and um yeah tony's just been so good at that this year just that near post just making sure that he wins those and he's first there and if it does come off someone else he's making the next deflection and Mm. it it just all went too well in Leeds' favor and that's going to be um yeah him not being there is going to be a big loss and they'll probably be looking at this this few games or how they how they make sure that zone's marked better but yeah it's it's not just a it's obviously just a combination isn't it you've got you've got a bit of zonal in that area then you've got some other blockers and runners and then some other who go man to man a little bit on the back post and Mm -hmm. it was just a fall down of the whole system and that that's the thing i was saying about time it's the 95th minute everyone's done basically aren't they they're like surely we can't concede this late everyone's knackered you've been you've been playing leads you've been driving you mad you're in an away stadium and it just all it takes such a small just, percentage of drop and it's it's, yeah. it's and I, that's what it was it was just such a fraction drop and it's in that's the premier league though unfortunately and uh, without getting too much into the debate of zonal versus man marking as well i think if you are in my opinion if you are slightly less adept at defending set pieces i think a zonal was a, such a risky way to go um I, I think i think when you have a team that's not or would, would you say brentford struggle with set pieces in general defensively is that like an issue for you does tony compensate no, no, I, that think we, I think we're quite good but obviously tony's yeah. built into that no we're quite a good team from defensive set pieces i think we're, yeah. we're strong we've got some big guys i mean i is six foot seven but he's been out of the team for a while zanku i think six foot six or five but he's obviously been out of the mm-hmm. team and losing david ray is a big part as well fernandez is almost like um i don't want to be too harsh but sometimes he's looked like a competition winner just playing yeah. for a premier league team and he's just he's very small in goal um he's okay at shot stopping but like yeah we, 
most goalkeepers are these days. Aren't they? That's what they're there for. They're shot stopping. But it's those it's those big moments where you need them to clean out three players and win yeah. the ball, or take it high under pressure, or, or clean up crosses. Those are when he looks a little bit susceptible. I will say and too that's that a big part as well. Kind of one of the reasons why I don't like to see that zonal mark in the last. I know it's difficult to shift depending on time, but I think in the last uh, few minutes, especially as you say, when you're playing against a team like Leeds, you, you're tired. It's a ninety fifth minute. I think in zonal, it's easier to hide from your responsibility a little bit. At least when you're man mark and you've got a very defined job um and especially when they get more numbers into the box and you, you, the zone can kind of be thrown at the window when you're kind of expecting um to be defending against teams that are having someone on the halfway line and not having a goalkeeper in the box and it it becomes a bit chaotic and i know it's difficult to change that and you do see some teams that will adapt um depending on time um time of set pieces coming in but it, it is one where you can see just try i wish there was a i wish there was a higher view i wish i had a full full picture view of the whole the whole positioning before the ball comes in but it does look like a, a situation which was having to be adapted to on the fly and it's, it's too difficult to do so once that ball comes in you're kind of almost just responsible for your zone but you're also having to kind of think outside of it a little bit too mm-hmm. and it's uh yeah it's unfortunate but that's why these last minute goals can be so common for set pieces mm. yeah. well yeah, come, having said that any. you'll probably score a lot <laughs> on a set piece against us now so yeah offensive ones are okay yeah no, we're fine with that we're fine with that um yeah, do you want to? Where do you want to finish up with? What yeah, I think want, honestly, I think we've covered a lot of stuff. Um, I did actually. Oh, it's kind of the thing of it. We are pushing on pretty late, aren't we? Um, but I did actually forget. We did ask some questions for some questions, didn't we? Um, yeah, let's do a couple of questions. I'll cover those real quick. They are they are particularly um, Watford focused, so we'll run through. I'll run through a couple of ones quickly, which we can answer just in a couple of sentences here. I got one which is asking how for how long Adam Massner is out. I think that's still undetermined, but it sounds like a long time. Um, so it could be maybe into March, April, from what I understand. Um, another quick one. Um, in terms of what changes, so this is from Nick, uh, what, what are some changes that Ranieri made or is making and how do those look on the field? Um, not to trash Munoz, I'm curious uh, how, similarly, how similar rosters perform so differently. I think we covered that um, in, in discussion earlier, um, kind of inadvertently, we kind of covered those, those points there and how Ranieri has really shifted the approach and he's got the most out of the players we have available to us and he's also um, capitalised on um, on some of the situations in regards to squad building and, and how he can use those players to, to fit his, his tactical wants. Um, so yeah just shifting that whole mentality of the team I think that's where he deserves a lot of credit um, for kind of being able to do so so quickly it's only been a few weeks he's he's done quite a good job of that Um, what for Sean um, so this is not so much um, a specific question for us here it's more about kind of longer term January kind of transfer targets we talked about centre-backs and left-backs being an issue Um, in terms of ones we like we're going to go into that a little bit further in more detail in the upcoming podcast. We'll give you some names. Um, we also covered um, Akoi to the goalkeeper, which he asked about. Um, so they were the main ones there. I know I just covered them super briefly, um, but I just wanted to make sure we got to them. But any of those questions, they're actually all going to be kind of fleshed out a little bit in the upcoming podcast too, um, as we talk more about Ranieri and more about the kind of potential players coming in. Um, yeah, so is there anything else you want to cover there, David? Or you feel like we've done a pretty good job of that? No, no, I think that's great. Yeah, really good. There's, awesome. um, there's a decent decent amount covered there. Good. Yeah, I think it's been yeah it's been good to talk to you again. Obviously, appreciate uh, taking time out of your day to do so. Um, also, congratulations are in order. David got engaged recently, so congrats, David. Um, oh, cheers! Yeah, cheers yeah. Make sure the uh, make sure everyone knows that. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll be talking again in in no time. Really, I'm looking forward to uh, the fallout from the game and hopefully uh, 
hopefully one of us is happy and the other one's miserable <laughs> yeah it's going to be a good one yeah i'm really looking forward to it too cheers jordan um yeah nice to chat to you yeah so if you want to find any more of david's stuff too um he does some work on brentford fc tactical and at david anderson it's where you can find him talking about all things brentford um and yeah i mean kind of go out and follow these guys there's a really good community of, of people that talk about um talk about their football clubs um obviously i try and do try and do my best in regards to Watford but there are plenty of others that are much better than I do for their own respective teams so go check out David and uh, yeah and the others around this kind of this kind of little group this collective on Twitter we try and do what we can so uh, thanks again for listening thanks for joining this has gone a little long but I hope you found it useful um, and a nice little build up for what's becoming quite a big game on Friday we're all looking forward to it um, we'll talk to you all again soon new episode of Watford Buzz will be coming out shortly after this we'll be talking about how, how the game went and uh discussing that so thanks for listening um we'll catch you next next time i'm jordan weimer at Watford analytics on twitter and this was david anderson cheers see ya imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with bowl and branches organic cotton sheets in a recent customer survey 96 percent replied that bowl and branch sheets get softer with every wash start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come try their sheets with a 30 night guarantee plus get 15 percent off your first order at bowlandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market 